Hi, and welcome to a plug for the Media Obscura podcast. What? I know, you thought I was just going to start an episode, but this is a plug. weird. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is not the podcast you thought you'd be listening to right now. It's a plug for a different one, but we'll we'll let you get to your show really soon, I promise. My name is Nick. This is my faithful co-host, Mike. Hey. He isn't allowed in the state of Utah for reasons that I can't even fully disclose. No, you can't. I just don't understand them, honestly. So anyway, on our show, we check out old and obscure retro movies... And we talk about them. Now, I know you're wondering, well, who are you to consider something obscure? You know, what, what's obscure? Well, honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's an excuse for us to watch just the weirdest stuff we can get our hands on, as well as a couple of old classics, and then banter about it. So if that's your cup of tea and you want to check it out, give us a listen. Of course. And uh, here's, here's your show. And bye. Love you. Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing each other to films. Uh, and in this way, we help one another to catch up on our cinema. Um, that being said, today we will not be doing that. <laughs> Neither of us will be catching up on new cinema. This month, at least. Uh, this month, we are going to be taking a deep dive into the Alien franchise of films um, in something we like to call a Masterclass series. And essentially... What that is, is where we uh, take a look at a franchise of films uh, from beginning to end and just kind of go through each entry in the series and say a little something about it or a whole lot of somethings because I think we went about two hours on that first Alien movie. Um, so that being said, uh, today we're going to be talking about 1986's uh, Aliens, directed yes. by James Cameron. Ever heard of him? Yeah, kind of a big deal. Made <laughs> all the money in the world. Uh is apparently planning on making like six more Avatar movies. Uh, we care? we have yet to see a number two. Who could care? Yeah, I know. Sam. I think he's threatening to put Sam Worthington in it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's 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 threatening to employ Sam Worthington, um, who I don't. I was calling him Sky Marine for a little while <laughs> because it seemed like that was his destiny was to forever just be the Avatar guy. Uh, I know a lot of actors listen to this podcast, and if you're out there being uh, approached or trying to get into the James Cameron uh, Avatar movies, why don't you just go ahead and get points on the back end and not take a salary for this? Because good or bad, that next Avatar movie is going to blow up the box office, I would say. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Points on the back. Points on the back end. Do that. (laughs) Yeah, do the Jack Nicholson Joker routine. You will get paid. You will get paid. (laughs) Nope. Deal with Jim Cameron. Just take the abuse. I don't know how bad. I don't know if he's an abusive director. That's I, I don't think he has that reputation. I know he likes his technical toys. I think he's a tight ass. He's not mean. He's not a. He's not a. The other guy. <laughs> uh, he's not. He's not real bad. But I think he's just very particular, like a Kubrick. Like he's like no 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 no. I want it done exactly my way. You know that's actually really fascinating because I you know as as much as I've enjoyed many of his products over the years, I actually have very little insight into his character as a director. Um, it seems like he seems like he gets along with folks though. Well, much like Michael Bay, he's putting together like big box office hits, and he's like no probably a no bullshit kind of kind kind of guy. Is like we're here to work, get this shit done. Turn your fucking phones off. <laughs> yeah, except for unlike Michael Bay, well. No, that's not true because we're getting Bad Boys Three. Oh, uh, he's yeah. done multiple Marky Mark films. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what I was about to say about James Cameron is I get the sense he's a decent person to work with because he's retained talent over the years, like Bill Paxton and Michael Bean, Michael Bean and Sigourney yeah. Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver. Um, so usually if you can retain those kind of relationships, that means that you're a decent guy to work with. They all seem pretty sweet. Oh, seemed pretty sweet, one of them. Bill Paxton <laughs> seemed like he was a, probably a really nice guy. Same oh, with Sigourney yeah. Weaver. She seems really nice. Michael Bean. I don't know what he's up to these days. Michael Bean seems like a decent guy. Yeah. Um, I've seen him in... in more modern day interviews mm-hmm. um he, he was involved in a in the production of the aliens colonial marines mm. uh computer game yeah. which is holy shit that is a story for another day <laughs> um it's an example of like corporate espionage type shit oh, okay. basically it was it was a game that uh, resulted in a lot of people losing a lot of money and having uh, a lot of resources stolen from them. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, Michael Bean res- reprised his role as Hicks for gotcha. that game, and I guess he was very dissatisfied with the programmers of that game. He was like, they lack passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No. But yeah, uh, this movie, uh, on the previous episode I mentioned, I think this is my favorite in the Alien franchise. I actually put it above the first one, Kyle respectfully disagrees not by much but yes but yeah um, in a lot of ways it's kind of hard to think of these films in isolated terms these days um that obviously wasn't the case when they were when they were new um but in my mind they always are kind of a package deal yeah um and that kind of spilled over into our discussion last week because i i found myself bringing up aliens and i found you not stopping me and saying, whoa, 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 we're not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be just a little bit of splicing and overlap. (laughs) But yeah, uh, this film, uh, it needs to be said, came out seven years after the first film in the franchise, which of course was not a franchise until the release of this film. And I think that's definitely worth noting. Um, It's very rare in, in our current Hollywood climate that a film franchise gets to rest that long before it gets... You know, usually we get an immediate sequel of some sort. Um, So I feel like maybe that's part of what made this one special, is that we crossed over into it, like, firmly into another decade of filmmaking with all sorts of, you know, technical developments and tone shifts in in the country of origin and all that. Like, the cultural climate was radically different, Um, most notably distance from the Vietnam War, (laughs) Um, which probably made it easier to make an allegorical story. Um, based around that conflict in some ways um, but I feel like having that that resting time and, and having James Cameron who was at the time kind of at the peak of his powers come at this thing with passion to the extent that if I remember right he also wrote this film in addition to directed it uh, yes I do believe so uh, but just real quick I just wanted to point out what he was doing at this point was just crushing it um, yeah Piranha 2 Piranha 2 Exogenesis I'm not sure what that is I'm kind of curious now um, interesting I'll read the plot later um, The Terminator came out two years before this 1984 and I was wondering I was looking this up to see what he did in between because filming for Terminator was most likely uh, late 82 early 83 sounds about that. right yeah and then I'm guessing it was a summer release um most likely, or Christmas Day, who knows? Uh, but this came out in 1986, and uh, I thought maybe he had something in between. He didn't, nope, and then he, he had not. Martini Ranch. I don't know what that is, and then The Abyss, and then Terminator 2. So it's like, boom, 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 like <laughs> one right after the other, like pretty much killing it. I didn't know he directed True Lies. Did you know that? I did. I did not. Absolutely, know that. I did. <clears throat> it's kind of a big fucking deal. Yeah, I, I. I, I like that movie. I've seen it a lot, but I did not realize he directed it. So. Oh, 
well that's a that's a welcome surprise i guess yeah because that i think it's a pretty solid action movie yeah and it's actually good Tom Arnold. It's like the one Tom it's Arnold great movie. Tom I, Arnold. It's the one Tom Arnold movie I love. And great Bill Paxton, as usual. Oh, man. <laughs> when yeah. he gets his face smashed oh, in in the car. That so <laughs> was great. I mean, he was saying some weird shit to him, but yeah. Uh, Arnold's acting. Like when he just... The, Terrific. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just that face he shoots him. Like, oh, exhaling through the gap in his teeth. Just yeah. prick. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, uh, James Cameron directed this. Um, I'm guessing, how long was production for this? Do you know? I do not. Um, I would imagine fairly extensive, though. Um, This movie has the feel, has the look and the feel of something that was very extensively storyboarded and planned. Yes. Um, This is a highly coordinated production. Um, Needs to be said that editing is like top shelf stuff. Yeah. Top, 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 top. Top shelf. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking also in terms of like, if you compare it to the first one, like the set design is, I'd say pretty similar, like pretty on par. Like they're both really good, but I think there's more makeup effects in this. Like the, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as far as I understand, the first Alien movie was modestly budgeted. It wasn't like a gigantic blockbuster film. This one, however, has the look and the feel of, of a traditional blockbuster film, especially in 1986. Um, we were making big, loud action movies in the 80s. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that that's part of why this film is so amazing to me is, uh, we mentioned in the previous episode, the overall aesthetic of that first film, which is different from this one. I mean, they're seven years apart. There's, there's a lot of artistic developments that happen, um, in the culture and otherwise. Um, but one of the main through lines between the two of them is that they're both like space-based futuristic settings that have a grounded realistic feel to them mm-hmm. everything feels lived in um was it hadley's hope is the name of the colony we're at um the set designs here like the corridors oh, okay, and yeah. the colony housing it it's a gritty like just like wrought iron nightmare basically well the, we also get the exteriors like i think that's one of my favorite things and how i help differentiate like thinking back between the two movies is the exteriors of this call. we get to go outside i fucking love it yeah, that's we, one of my we favorites. actually get to go outside and same with like terminator 2 like that opening scenes like we get some outside stuff like I mean, we don't need to talk about terminator the terminator, <laughs> terminator 2 here but like that i think that's something i just noticed about james cameron that i like I'm like man he does know how to do an outside like an exterior he he has some gifts as a director for sure um he he knows how to do on the fly on the fly characterization really well uh, he knows how to he knows how to put together a fucking action scene yeah uh, he's very good with set pieces where it's like this is the part where we do this we're not going to be distracted with a whole bunch of other shit going on this is what we're doing right now and we're not gonna we're not gonna cut away from it and he's i don't know he just knows how to make good gripping stories it's it's kind of amazing actually because there's so many aspects of his films that don't it's it's hard to put your finger on exactly why it's remarkable it just is it just is yeah Yeah, it's really hard to point out because like terminator 2 for instance like is is a favorite film for so many people but when you when you look at it it's like what is it about it that makes it so special it's like it's really hard to tell that opening scene is awesome. Yeah, there's a lot. We we could, that's a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know what you mean, and I guess same with this. I'm like, I get I get why people like it better than the first one, the first Alien. But sometimes I'm like, but but why exactly? 
what is it about the movie that makes it so awesome? And for me, I think it's the pacing. I think that's what does it for me. And I think that's what he, his gift is. Is like a lot of action, little action. He's just great at pacing. The, the editing, I think. Is yeah, the, it has a. It, now you mention it. Um, both the Terminator One and Two and Aliens, they all have a really even flow to them. Mm-hmm. Like the downtime is never all the way down. Like it, it has a. There's still tension. Yeah, there's an inertia, like an inertial quality to it that really lends itself well to the progression of the story. Um, for me, a lot of it had to do with the characters and just the drama that comes from seeing the characters get j- like yanked around <laughs> in yeah. really awful ways. Because the, the opening portion of the movie is devoid of action mm. for the longest time. Um, and it isn't until things start to ramp up that, like, the the tone radically shifts uh where we get to see some people that are portrayed as like highly capable and very you know adept at what they do all of a sudden humbled to the extreme (laughs) and then and then we get to spend a great deal of time in the aftermath of that and so it allows us to see two very different angles of the same characters in the same movie is this the patient zero of uh, a team being picked off while their cameras are on? The first-person cameras? I believe so. Okay, because um, definitely I've seen it in plenty of It's been movies. imitated All countless that. times. And in Predator 2, I remember they were getting picked off with their cameras. The same studio. <laughs> and I was just re-watching Godzilla King of the Monsters last night. Oh, yeah. They do the, they do the helmet cam in that, too. But I've noticed that it's progressed to be way quicker. It's just like, oh, one person's gone. And they're just all gone. No, crazy I mean, case. we'll get to it, yeah. but that sequence in this movie is maybe the reason why I love this movie. I can see that. Uh, because it needs to be said, this was either the first or the second R-rated movie I ever saw. Mm. Um, it was either that. It was either <laughs> Aliens or Under Siege 2. Wow. I can't recall which came first. I think I, my brother and I had... Was Terminator 2 rated R? It's got all the it fucks. Is. I'm sorry, yeah. There's violence, I can see it being PG-13. The fucks, it's rated R. <laughs> I mean, Linda Hamilton alone has got the R rating in that movie. <laughs> uh, just her swagger in that should be an R rating because she's, she's got some... She's she's vicious in that movie. Um, I was about to say, the, the face lick in that deserves the R rating. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had seen Terminator 2 before I had seen this. My brother and I had seen Terminator 2 quite a few times. Yeah, Terminator 2 is actually another one that was right around the same time. Um, I can't recall which came first, but I know my brother... My brother was responsible for aliens. Yeah, I can see that. Like he, I think he turned it on and he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember right, he turned it on. And he was like, "Just watch this." It's a good move. I, I think he was like watching me because like my our parents were away, and, oh. and he was just like, "You want to watch a movie? Okay." All right. Well, I wanted to, but I'm gonna go play PlayStation One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he went to the basement and played video games. Yeah. But if I remember right, it was either that or Terminator Two. Well, I remember the. I covered my eyes for the chest, the chest bursting. Wow. The rest of the movie's fine, but that was pretty intense. So I've seen this movie quite a few times. Uh, it's I recently-ish watched the Alien, so it was still kind of fresh. Um, this one, I'm, I'll definitely I'll, some more stuff will like come back to me as we're talking, but it's not as fresh in my mind as Alien is. Gotcha. Well, I mean, both movies open pretty similarly. Yeah. You know, space title. Um, this one a little bit more intensely because if I remember right, it's there's the psych out dream. There's the yeah. big, there's well, there's the big light bloom on the eye in the aliens logo, and it has, um, was it James Horner did the score for this film, mm. and he knocked it the fuck out the park 
holy shit, this score is amazing. Um, every time, every time the Colonial Marines are are doing their thing, you're in it. <laughs> like, like you 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 really buy into it. Uh, the the aliens kind of have their own theme. That's it's really it's really brassy. It's like a brassy growl. It's like every time the aliens are moving, they have their own little musical theme that comes along with it. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, uh, first thing that happens, if I remember right, is uh, basically Ripley's been drifting in space. Uh, she gets recovered by some unknown party. Uh, they cut open the door to her shuttlecraft that she escaped from at the end of the first film. Uh, and they save her and her cat, Jonesy. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you said, they, they recover her. And uh, depending on which version of the movie you're watching, some stuff happens here. Uh, there's a director's cut for this. I've seen the director's cut. I um, think I have. I think I know I own one version of the director's you, cut. You own both. I think I own you, both. You own the same box I Special have. Special edition. Well, I'm saying I own that and then also streaming. I think I own, <clears throat> I think I own the director's cut of that as okay. well. Well, the director's cut adds a, a few things here and there. Nothing terribly significant uh, the main thing that it adds here is that she's recovered uh, i believe they have her on like a space station yeah they they have her on a space station and she's actually in trouble because they she exploded a like a multi-billion dollar spaceship or something like that yeah and, she was hauling ore yeah and like, for listen, a company for a company <laughs> that she's still an employee of despite having been frozen for 57 years and she has <laughs> no no evidence of why she did that all they have is like well you're alive everybody else is dead and you blew up a ton of money so where do we go yeah um so they have her in this colony and they it it has the feel of like an interrogation like you yeah. get the sense that they're calling her into meetings with corporate suits to go over the details of of what transpired on the the nostromo and on lv426 just over and over just endlessly yeah and every time she's just yelling at them we found an alien it killed everyone yeah. and i did what i had to to survive paul rush is the only only character his character is the only what's his uh, burke burke uh, fucking Burke. <laughs> he's one of the slimiest characters in a movie ever. He stole Marty he's McFly's so vest, by the way. <laughs> he's so good in this movie. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the only one that's really... I'm the back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's the only one who somewhat believes it, and I don't remember why. Uh, I can't recall in the beginning stages of the film why he's on her side. He probably just wants to get in her pants, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, he... he he has a heel turn later in the movie. There's my theory that I mentioned on our last episode. What's that? That um, I don't know if maybe James Cameron called Ridley Scott a couple of times and asked him about a few things. Like, what were you thinking for this? Because I'm directing the movie now. But I mentioned that um, if we go through, not chronologically from release date, but from like the story, um, it is actually the Whalen Corporation that are responsible for the Xenomorph because their android um, basically uh, engineered it. Yeah, uh, what what Kyle's talking about is, like, I mean, this is... Tinfoil hat? <laughs> yeah, this, this is a little bit tinfoil hat here, but, you know, bear with us. Um, basically, the, the conclusion of Alien Covenant, uh, well, I mean, the events of Alien Covenant kind of spell out to us that maybe not the Xenomorph, but something extremely closely related to it is the product of some black goo as manufactured by the engineers who we're introduced to technically in the first in alien the first film one. yes it's him tampering with the black goo and then altering it in some fashion to create the alien egg yes and then via 
Billy Crudup's chest cavity, <laughs> we get our first alien. So if you if you really go all the way back, David, the android who created who meddled with the black goo, yeah. was originally manufactured by Mr. Wayland. Yes. Which would technically make him a product of the company from Alien and Aliens, yes. Wayland Yutani. And this is why this would be company property as put by Paul Reiser in this movie. Burke, sorry, by Burke. And I'm sure there is something in the movie I'm just I'm misremembering of why he's like kind of gung-ho about it. But I think that would add to that thread of he's a part of the corporation and he's one of the like really high ups that's kind of working down right now trying to keep keep this tight, basically, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I get I get what you mean. Um, it could work, but I don't know. It, just, it, it could work. It could work. Um, it seems very grand in the, I mean, in the entire scheme. I mean, the way Covenant ended, I'm sure Fox is looking for, well, Disney now, <laughs> is uh, looking for a way to continue the franchise in some capacity. I would not be surprised if they have their writer's room full of chimpanzees pounding out something along those lines. I think you and I could do it if we continue with this thread. I think we might have found, might have found something. I mean, shit. I, I've been saying it for years. All they need to do is make the, the plot of the Aliens vs. Predator arcade game. <laughs> no, all you do is you pick up right where you left off in Covenant and have David's ship crash into a planet with people. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, recovery crew goes out there and it's just like, eggs! <laughs> they, tr- oh, yeah, yeah. And then you do, well, some of those Dark Horse comics that I, I know you flipped through at least yeah. have some pretty fucking great ideas. Yeah. They, they have a plot line in those comics where we as humans have tamed the aliens. Like, we... They're animals. Yeah, we can control them yeah. if we apply ourselves. I've read, I've read some of those. <laughs> and they have, they have a through line through some of the comics where uh, the royal jelly, like the, the, the goo that comes off of the queens, is used as like a mega steroid. I can see that. And so, like for like sports and stuff like that, people are actually harvesting alien royal jelly and stuff. That's and then they have like a plot line where there's two rival factions of aliens fighting each other. There's red ants and black ants. I think the harvesting would be. That would be an interesting idea to go with. Oh, my favorite comic was one called Labyrinth. and I, I think I might have read it. It's it's fucking great. <laughs> my brother sent me the Alien vs. Predator Omnibus, the first two volumes. Yeah, uh, Labyrinth introduces a new uh, like birthing scheme for the aliens, where instead of the traditional egg sac, they have just like puddles of just like essentially like sperm. Oh, interesting. And they force... They dunk people's heads into it. Basically. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. And it gives birth to multiple aliens at once, by the way. Gross. Yeah, it's terrifying. But, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> we should probably talk about aliens. But, yeah, we get that corporate boardroom scene. And this is where uh, I mentioned on the previous uh, previous episode, um, one of the one of the suits, this lady with an unfortunate haircut, um, <laughs> she, she, she mentions how what ripley's saying seems nonsensical she's yeah. like in over like 15 recorded worlds we've never encountered an alien species before yeah and it's it's never officially stated that we've actually encountered alien life at this point but again based on the reactions in the room i have to assume that we probably have given that nobody's terribly impressed by it now i know why now i just came back why paul riser's on her side why is that that's because uh they end up getting either a distress call or they've got no communication, which brings us into the actual movie as they're going to this colony. And I think Paul Reiser, she's very adamant about them not going Ripley. She's like, do not go out there. If that's the problem, blow it the fuck up. Yeah. And which makes him very interested. He's like, well, maybe there is something here because somebody shouldn't be this 
like shouldn't be acting like this about something. Yeah, uh, the the big thing that happens here is um, she has been asleep for like I think fifty seven years. It's been a, it's been a minute. It's been over fifty years. Yeah, which is apparently unprecedented. That's not an, that's not a period of, a stretch of time that anybody's ever done before. We, yeah. Um, so a lot of time has passed, and uh, in the director's cut of the film, um, we get her, I think, learning that her daughter has died. Um, did she have a daughter? Yeah. That's, I remember that. Yeah, um, it's it was completely written out of the theatrical version of the film, I think. Oh, okay. Um, which would you know lend some layers to the new business. Yeah. Um, so I can understand. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, if I remember right, she learns that her daughter is dead or has just aged dramatically because it's been that yeah. that amount of time. And meanwhile, she's as she was when she left home. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's only in the director's cut. But yeah, we get that fake out sequence. Uh, basically, um, Ripley imagines a chest burster coming out of her. Yeah, uh, it's prefaced by Jonesy like hissing at her, and then her experiencing some chest pains. As a kid, that terrified me because yeah. again, the score kicks in here, and yeah, yeah it yeah. it's it's hard to vocalize it, but if you hear it, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Um, really scary sequence, but yeah, the board sequence, um, if I remember right. Um, Part of the reason why nobody believes her is that she stops one of the guys at the door, like when everybody's filing out, and she's like, "Like you need to understand, like it's really dangerous." She's like, you, "She no," she says, "Like, like go down there and tell me how it is. Like, like you check it out." And he's like, "I don't need to. There's like thousands of people that live there already. Yeah. So we've already colonized the planet that she that she was at, and you know that makes her a little antsy." <laughs> But yeah, the the catalyst for the plot, like you said, is a uh, we we get a, a funny video phone call. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, Burke pops up on no, she calls Burke, and he's he looks like he has a hooker in the other room. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's working. He's doing something. Yeah, he's doing something he shouldn't be at an unreasonable hour. <laughs> but basically, she volunteers herself to go down to the planet to investigate because they've lost contact with the colonists she's actually i think they want her to go on on the on the mission she's like no fuck that i'm not gonna go do that and then finally she's just like i'm the only one that knows anything about this i need to go because paul reiser wants her to go and she's really adamant about not going and that was the phone call she's like i'm going motherfucker yeah i like how she yanks out the card like (laughs) he's he's like about to say like Uh, (laughs) yeah she's like nope on my terms like everything on my terms um, yeah. There's also something else in the director's cut. I'm not sure if you remember. It might actually, I think it actually directly precedes um, them learning that the colony's out of contact. It's the sequence with Newt and her family. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember there being, that's like the opening scene, I think, before. Or it's like very, I don't remember where it's spliced at, but I do remember her with her family. That I've seen that. Yeah, I think up. it plays right before we learned that like right before the phone call basically yeah um i'm not sure how i feel about that i'm fine with it being cut uh the the less newt the better if you ask me honestly yes (laughs) um it does add like a it adds like a like a an element to it like you kind of feel bad for it it leaves something to the imagination like no this girl has been living here by herself and everybody's been killed so i kind of get it but at the same time i think it's more for her character to have something like somebody to try to save because if she goes into the situation without newt they're all fucking marines well, see, this is where the seven years comes into play uh, and i just it just occurred to me that like 
if you're seeing this movie that is it's called aliens it's a sequel but it's a sequel to something that came out like seven years ago yeah so your memory of it's probably going to be cloudy especially since rentals and stuff were oh yeah i I think only just then getting into it wasn't very popular no yeah it was probably just becoming a thing nobody rewatched the first one exactly so your memories of it are going to be yeah makes sense because if you saw it it was in a theater and it was a long time ago so the reason i bring that up is because if we have this early introduction that shows us warning signs of what's to come in the first 15 minutes of the movie it robs the the aliens of their power it's like it's like you were saying in uh in the previous episode about them mm-hmm. how part of the charm of that is that it builds and builds and builds it's a mystery yeah we don't know what the monster is or even if there's a monster i mean the marketing tells us there's a monster but the movie has yet to show us that until the grand reveal and in the case of aliens if we get like all these warning signs it's like oh that monster from seven years ago that you kind of remember it's coming back back. whereas if you cut that out and you just have the aliens show up when they when the marines encounter them it's it's like you're it's like you're re it's like you're remembering it with with the movie so like all the warning signs are there but it's like in little breadcrumbs here and there where it's like uh, there's the scene where they're all ex- they're exploring like one of the corridors and the helmet cams are panning over things and Ripley's like go back mm-hmm. and then Burke sees it and he's like acid for blood yeah. <laughs> and, and it's it like checks out and yeah. as an audience as a person in the theater you're like oh, I oh okay yeah. like we're that makes sense it's like we're coming back to that whereas if you tease that too early I think it it robs it of some of its impact to be honest. I didn't think about how streaming and having rentals can actually impact how you film a, a sequel. I didn't think that would that even be a thing. Like you, like how quickly you hint at something. Or how, how do you think the Marvel Universe sustains that's itself? What I'm, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm thinking now is I'm like, these people don't need to be reminded little by little. Like we should actually put that way later in the movie that it doesn't even be up front. I didn't even think about that as a as, as thinking no, about it, that in it, filming. Thanks to Wikipedia and stuff like that, it's now possible. To, yeah. to tell these stories that reference thing from, things from obscure things from years past whereas before you need you always need to make sure that the idiots in the in the back row will get it it almost seems insulting as a viewer when you have something like that like it does call back it's like, just a sign of the times but, interesting but yeah it, like nowadays it does kind of feel like you're being pandered to where it's like i know i fucking remember like well bitch not everybody remembered <laughs> well not yeah not everybody cares as much as you do yeah gotcha <laughs> But, that makes sense. But yeah, I, I feel like the scene where it's it's just her family like driving around in yeah. like a, a rover and then they come across the derelict ship. They die, by the way. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I go now? Do you like her better or worse than Freddy What's-His-Face in uh, The Mummy Returns? Oh. At least she doesn't talk as much. I think I like her a little better. Yeah, I do too. Like a little better. Not by much. But that scream, just that atonal, just eh, Yeah. And then, yeah, they're dead. They're all dead. Can she, I go now? She does have an effective moment at the end, near the end of the movie, that I remember seeing as a kid, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it was it was a heavy moment, but it, it's neither here nor there right now. Um, but yeah, we can keep, uh, we can keep moving. Yeah, let's well, we don't have to go through the movie oh, literally. No, no. I mean, shit. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying. There's a scene in the director's cut where, um, one thing that is actually kind of nice about the director's cut is we do get to see Hadley's hope right before everything goes to shit. Oh, so we, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we get to see the colony 
like and they it, it looks like a western town or something like yeah. if i remember right there's like a sign like blowing in the wind and everything it's a little cute it's probably supposed to feel like that like it might be extraneous though because like it's to be fair the shots are like examples of miniatures that are maybe not the best special effects in the movie yeah um but it it, it adds a few layers here and there it this is one of those movies that it's like Godzilla 1985, <laughs> where there is no perfect version of the movie. It's somewhere in between. Gotcha. Because there's an American cut of Godzilla 1985 and a Japanese cut Godzilla 1984. And there are actually a couple edits in the American one that I kind of prefer. But I there's, like... there's not one single version that does it as best as it could be. It's somewhere in the middle. I like the ghost town approach. I like having like somebody telling me what the what the the area is and then going there and nobody's there except well, for I the mean, one survivor the the way that they the pacing again the way they stretch it out where they it's it's empty yeah. aside from newt it's empty yeah and every door that opens and there are a lot of them and i love every moment when we stack up on the doors and it's like yeah nothing i'm probably gonna watch that after we get done here just the 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 suspense the the building of it and then when we inevitably do get to the action and it's a literal journey into fucking hell yeah. <laughs> um it's great well it's amazing <laughs> i'm just saying i think that we don't need they don't need the newt i don't need to see the town or the yeah no i i i agree yeah. I, I don't think i needed to see newt until we find her in the corridors it's more effective the, the i action. think so yeah. I think that's that's effective. me personally but yeah um but yeah obviously we we get to the planet eventually yeah. but before that we have to meet the marines i was gonna say we have to meet the marines oh so. yeah we got we have to go on the sulaco uh, the, uh, say, the m16 shaped spacecraft <laughs> i think if you take a look at the like the people that have worked with james cameron i think the the woman who plays vasquez jeanette goldstein jeanette goldstein she's been in more james cameron films than any of his other actors probably yeah she's definitely in titanic she's in t2 she's in this um she's in another one uh i think I'm gonna she's not in the abyss which is shocking she would have fit right in perfectly. She yeah. would have. I mean, not for no, not for diversity's sake. There is a character in there she could have absolutely done. The lady with the cowboy hat. Oh yeah, yeah. She could have totally no. done her. I mean, that's part of, I think, why he liked her is that he could throw her into whatever, and she would just work. Like she's, and gonna... uh, if I remember right, his wife borrowed her for a movie. Really? <laughs> um, Near Dark. Uh, oh. Catherine Bigelow. Uh, he and her were an item. Oh, now okay. she's now she's an Oscar winner. <laughs> he's like, good for you, ex-wife. Like <laughs> take two. But Bill Paxton, yeah, Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. Jeanette Goldstein, that blonde guy who's in stuff. All no, all three of those people are in Near Dark. <laughs> oh, okay, as gotcha. vampires. Okay, I, was gonna say, I thought you were just mentioning like some of the cast. I'm like that blonde guy who's in stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that blonde guy who's in. Stuff. He's in Rush Hour. He's one of the FBI detectives from Rush Hour. But you've seen him in. He's in Lethal Weapon 2. He's one of the South Africans that gets oh, killed in the beginning. South Africans? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know who that blonde dude is. He's, oh, he's uh, Boggs in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Honey. Hush. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, and then the, um, the the sergeant, the guy who's actually running it, is that I believe he's an actual Marine. He was, I think, the trainer for the for the people on the set. He's fucking great. A pone, Sergeant A pone. I don't know the actor's name, unfortunately. I don't think he's an actor. So I think I'm like, I don't know what else I don't, he's actually. I don't been know in. if he has any other acting credits, but yeah, the character. I know pretty much all the characters' names, like Apone. the beautiful day in the cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so genuine. Uh, I love it. It's like being on a farm. <laughs> 
Oh, Hudson, yeah. come here. Come here. He's, uh, he's really he's really effective as the team. Oh, Apone is amazing. I gotta look him up now. More importantly, though, Apone's utility in the story is also amazing. Um, he passed away last year. Oh, fuck. Really? Uh, this is this episode's being being issued in tribute to Sergeant Apone. He doesn't have a... I mean, he's got a few movies, but I'm just gonna go ahead and I'd give you his best ones real quick. Yep. Fifth Element, Superman 3... Tomorrow Never Dies, and Aliens, of course. Okay, what's his name? Uh, his name is, sorry, uh, his name is Al Matthews. Al Matthews. Al Matthews. In tribute to Al Matthews. Um, but yeah, Sergeant A. Poem. Uh, we got Corporal Hicks, played by Michael Bean. He's mm-hmm. a mainstay of the James Cameron 80s stable. Yes. Also Abyss. Um, and we got Bill Ooh. Paxton as Hudson. Right in Abyss. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein as Vasquez. Vasquez, you're just um, too bad. That one guy uh, playing Drake. The, that the blonde guy? Yeah. yeah. He's blonde also guy. in The Departed. Um, oh, correct, yes. He's yeah. like he plays Drake. And uh, then Frost, I don't know the actor's name, but he's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a fellow named Crow. Uh, and then there's synthetic Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. Named Bishop. He comes up in some other movies, too. Oh, yeah. No, he, him and James Cameron are good buddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, there's a there's another connection here. Stan Winston. Oh, yes. Uh, so Stan Winston, if you're not familiar, is a... Uh, I guess you'd call him a makeup effects technician. Yeah, um, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, he does a lot of makeup effects and animatronics in particular. Um, he's given he's given cinema some of its greatest monsters like the predator the dinosaurs from jurassic park and the terminator mm-hmm. and he also worked on aliens he did not work on the first alien he worked on aliens and he was i think largely responsible for the crafting of the alien queen in particular okay um so that design came from his studio but uh james cameron would work with him obviously on the terminator but he uh stan winston's first movie he directed was Pumpkinhead, which oh. starred lance Henriksen. i did not know that yeah so the you know connections <laughs> revolutions uh, yeah so he uh oh my goodness i forget i it, you can't look at his like imdb <laughs> it's just so much for makeup department oh yeah good luck with that yeah uh, i was just trying to get to it i want to see also did leviathan by the way Oh yeah, he did. That was gonna say. Yeah. he was one of the heavy hitters on there. Um, I just wanted to see what his actual uh, title was for Aliens. That oh was yeah, I... I'd be curious like what his actual job title is because he, I feel like he's more of just like a straight up artist, yeah, rather than you know an engineer or something. Uh, but his studio is legendary. I mean, oh. he sadly passed away a while ago, but yeah, his was... studio lives on, kind of like Jim Henson. Though. About yeah, ten years ago. Yeah, Predator Two, uh, Leviathan, The Monster Squad. Um, Predator, Amazing Story, Aliens. He is the alien effects artist. <laughs> that's so specifically, as, that's as general as possible. But um, but it's under special effects. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do like environmental art. He does creatures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this cast is amazing. Um, the way we're introduced to them is, in particular, pretty fantastic. Where uh, yeah. just like in the first film, where we get to see everyone waking up from cryosleep because we just went on a long space journey. Uh, to LV-426. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting prepped for the mission. Yeah, Waking uh, up, starting with some pull-ups, just yeah. first waking up. Yeah. Everybody's in their skivvies. Yeah, everybody's in their skivvies. They hop right out the tubes, and some folks are very slow to get up, 
Like, Hicks looks like he's got a bad head up yeah. the ass. But, like, Drake and Vasquez are knocking off, like... Pull-ups, dude. They're just fucking straight up. Yeah, it's too bad, Vasquez. <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> Slap! <laughs> well, they have an interesting relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting relationship. Yeah. They're, they're bros. They're just bros, I think. I don't know. There, <laughs> might, be, there might be more to that. I, don't know. I, I, think, I think they're finding some time in between missions. I, maybe. I, sexuality doesn't really come up in this. I mean, there's a little bit between Hick, uh, Hicks. Is it Hicks? Yeah. Yeah, Hicks and... Uh, I mean, Dwayne it, Hicks. Dwayne Hicks. Dwayne. <laughs> what is Bill... What is Bill uh, Bill Paxton's character? Hudson. Hudson. I get Hudson and I get those two mixed it, up. Well, they're also paired up a lot. Yeah, they're usually in, in the frame together. And they're arguably the two most charismatic people in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I could see how that would happen. Um, but yeah, uh, we get we get them waking up, kind of eating breakfast, and then like I think he's like, "We're gonna get to work right away." Like, Apone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Apone has a stogie and his hat. Like, yeah. While he's in his undies. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, first things first. Stoke. Hasn't even brushed his teeth yet. He's already smoking. So do we get our, our brief, we get our briefing first before we get to work. Like we get kind of a rundown of what we're, what's going on. Cause they haven't really been informed yet. Well, you, you had some interesting stuff about Bishop that you wanted to say. Oh yeah. 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 So, we sh- so we should probably talk about the dining hall. Yeah. The dining hall sequence. Uh, so Sigourney Weaver, if you remember from our discussion, uh, from the last episode, um, they had a, we didn't really mention it. I noticed we didn't really mention it uh, too explicitly. It was that the problem with the first movie and why everything goes wrong is because of a um, malfunctioning android, more or less. Yeah, actually, when she's talking in that boardroom, she does like explicitly point the finger at the android. It's the android's fault. So PTSD. She's got uh, she's got some beef with uh, <laughs> she's got some beef with the android. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you ever heard your grandpa go off on whoever he was, he fought with in whatever war he was in? That's what she's got yeah, towards these and, guys, and then some. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we learned that Lance Henriksen um, is actually an android, and something I mentioned I think off air was um, the actual android acting. Hmm. Um, and if it's if I'm just like looking too into it, it might be. But if I'm not, it's pretty fucking incredible what they did. Um, so Ian Holm. In the first one, has uh, he has a way about himself. You definitely don't know, from what I can gather, you do not know that he's an android. And it's one of the big reveals in the movie, is that he's an android. So we know going into the second one, we're most likely going to be expecting one, more or less. Um, but the deme- demeanor has changed between the two. And uh, Lance Hendricks is a little more coy, and he's a little more off. As you put, like he's not as human as Ian Holm. Would yeah. Um, and this is something that's brought up in... Prometheus, Prometheus, actually, they know that David, Michael Fassbender's character, is an android, mm-hmm. and they don't like him for the most part. Some people explicitly like say, like, I don't like you, more yeah. or less. And we see the the character changes a little bit in uh, Alien Covenant, where they have a newer android that meets David, the old one who they yeah. did. Walter. Walter. Walt- Walter. And just the performances between the two Fassbenders in that movie, they have a different demeanor, a different mm-hmm. way of carrying themselves. And it's clear in that movie, and I th- I noticed when we were talking about the movie, I'm like, I think there's a clear difference between the way these two actors are performing as the androids. Yeah, uh, Ian Holmes' portrayal, uh, he he definitely seems distant from the rest of the crew. Even, like, his, the way, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm positioning myself against the wall. Like, at one point, he's kind of, like, leaned up and just kind of, like, posted and looking up and not really, he's not really addressing the room. He's, like, looking down and addressing them. 
Yeah, he like physically is actually like distant from most of the crew members. Yeah, and it, that was probably on purpose. That was probably an acting decision that the director saw what he was doing, and Ridley Scott, you know, yeah. knows his way around making a film. Yeah. He's like, oh, that He's makes sense. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> and yeah, it, I think the I think the major difference is that Ian Holm was intended to be like a pivotal character in the story, because in terms of like character beats in the first Alien, there's not much that's terribly dramatic Mm-mm. his though is like whoa this is a big moment where it's like oh that guy who we thought was just an asshole was actually an <laughs> asshole robot <laughs> uh, whereas bishop the worst kind bishop only gets like maybe a minute of screen time before we know he's an android before we know he's a synth and i think it's it's an example of of them trying to address it up front where it's like this character isn't meant to be a hidden android. He's not meant to be a pivotal character. Although we have re- strong reinforcement from from Ripley's reaction to him that maybe maybe he is going to be that. Yeah. Like he's a red herring. Yeah. Because every chance she gets, she says, "Don't don't you come near me, yeah. Bishop." She stops and, talking when he like comes near her. Now. Yeah. Like she's cagey with him from until the end of the movie, basically. Deservedly so. Yeah. Um, but it's that's really clever screenwriting because, again, seven years between the first and the second film, we we find a way to exposit this to the audience that this is why she doesn't like him, and this is why she does not trust him, and then by the end it's like oh, what was I worried about? <laughs> we also like how we're introduced to him being an android is is how we meet some of our uh how we kind of develop our characters a little bit so we learn that bill paxton's kind of the pain in the ass <laughs> something that he is good at playing predator 2 true lies weird science he is a pain in the ass to quote predator 2 it's my specialty it's my specialty <laughs> god he's great it was great sorry um but how we're introduced is like bishop do the thing bishop and he's like oh i don't want to do that and they You've seen it before in movies where you take a knife and you stab it in between your fingers. Have you seen the night before, the night of? Um, but they they're starting getting ready to do it, and then they take <laughs> Bill Paxton's hand and like hold it down uh, underneath Bishop's so that he's doing it in like real time in front of him and it's freaking him out. But he's clearly the one that is the he's the pain in the ass. It's kind of an amazing scene. I I don't know how many kids imitated this after they saw it. Uh, I I know some of the kids in my school certainly did. I know I know my brother probably tried it. I probably tried it. <laughs> Next time you're drinking, you try it out. It's a good time to do it. <laughs> but I mean, the the major thing if you're not aware is that uh, Bishop plays this knife game where you stab in between your fingers, but he does it insanely fast. Yeah, crazy fast. And uh what happens here is Again, great, great fucking writing. Mm-hmm. Economical writing. Because the reason why this is here is not just because it's visually interesting and we get to see Bill Paxton go, ah! yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is always entertaining. Yeah, that's always good. The reason why we do that is because Bishop nicks himself mm-hmm. and he bleeds white. And Ripley sees that. Correct. And she flips the fuck out. Yeah. She's like, Burke? What the fuck? It's yeah. like, this is the first of one one of many what the fucks. Yeah. God damn it, Burke, I think is maybe, this <laughs> probably said God knows how many times in this movie. If I hadn't been asleep, if I hadn't been asleep for fucking 67 years and I didn't have muscle atrophy. <laughs> oh my God, whoop your for ass. real. 
I mean, she's still got inches on him. So. Yeah, she's still got inches on him, but I'm just saying, like, she needs to eat some more protein, carb up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's but, been sleeping for a while. But yeah, she is none too happy to learn no. that he is a synthetic. And again, seven years, we we need to be reintroduced all these concepts. Yeah. And this does it very smoothly, very quickly. And then we have a little bit of a back and forth. And I really, really love this, where Bishop gives her no reason to be concerned. And yeah. she still is, because she's a human. But would Ian Holmes android be any less like oh you have nothing to exactly exactly well i mean it would be ian holmes it would be like stay away from me jesus fuck <laughs> no, go ahead put your face over it <laughs> but basically lance henriksen like his performance he he's very calming he's very subservient and yeah. and everything he's telling her is that oh that that thing that happened to you i'm so sorry to hear that uh, we've had a lot of advancements in technology i'm programmed differently from him i i I forget exactly how he phrases it, but it's like I, I cannot harm a person nor allow a person to be harmed. Yeah. So he can't he can't be a Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> he can't he can't allow the fat guy to get get accosted in the street. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, Just when you think a Seinfeld reference isn't going to show up, it yeah. it finds it, a way. It, it Life find, finds a way. Life finds a way. Um, but yeah, I really love that. And also, there's a small detail here. I I think um they made him up to look kind of like to not perspire interesting like they they really powdered up his face a lot and also his hair well, in particular his hair is intentionally made up to look like a doll little things i think james cameron pays attention to as a director with his actors is something that robots so i think that might be his thing Cyborgs, because think about that. This blew me away. I never pieced this together. Hmm. I think I was, it was just a couple years ago I read about it. I'm like, holy fuck. Terminator 2. Can you tell me one time in uh, Robert Patrick's sprinting, sprinting, can you tell me one time you've seen him breathe? Because watching it as a kid, you just see a guy who's just running really hard. He's legit. Like, he had to run so much that he's like sprinting and not breathing. So, because he's a, he's a robot. They don't, yeah, they don't do that. No, so th- no, I, I can't recall an instance. And that's just a little something like I believe the director's like, listen, you have to know how to do it. Well, like and this. even when he has scuffles with Arnold, like when they're throwing each other around in, the, in the mall, they're just locked eyes. They don't even look like they're exerting themselves. It's just like a blank expression. Do you think that's why he kept the sunglasses on? Because Arnold wears the sunglasses quite a bit, especially during those scenes, because you can see the. I, rem- I remember the shot you're talking about exactly. He like, like yeah. keeps him from. Yeah. Keeps him from moving the yeah, gun. He grabs the shotgun and they wrestle a little bit and then they slam each other into walls. I'm gonna watch a James Cameron movie after being done here. I don't. It might be Terminator Two. It might be Aliens. I don't know. I mean, know. there's not a bad choice. So. God damn. I'm just the sound. I I can always hear the soundtrack in that and that dude, whole dude. the whole sequence. As soon as yeah, the the bell boom 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 Ripley has her tiff, and yeah. I, I just love the line from I think it's Frost. What's twisting this bitch's tiff? <laughs> and I was like, that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. <laughs> no, she, he just like kind of says offhand, like to no one in particular. Like, guess you don't like the cornbread neither, because <laughs> like. When, when Bishop sits down at the table with her, he's, like, handing out food trays. And I think Burke takes seconds, that fuck. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> but, yeah, Frost is just like, she doesn't like the cornbread either. <laughs> yeah, Burke. And then, yeah, we get the, the briefing scene before the drop. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see uh, 
more breadcrumbs in the in the script. Really good breadcrumbs where uh, she wants to make herself useful. Ellen Ripley wants to make herself useful in the Sulaco. And that calls back to what you were saying about the first one. Is this is a it was a blue collar space movie, and yep. we like we don't spend any time with them in the blue collar portion of their of the movie or of the story. That I completely forgot. No, the job's done. They're on their way home. Yeah, they're on their way home. I'm like, oh yeah, she knows how to do this shit. That she was working on a rig, more yeah. or less. Yeah. Yeah, she's a construction worker. <laughs> she's a construction worker. <laughs> and hats off. I mean, to like writing strong. Like maybe it was it was more innocent back then. Like writing a strong female lead because James Cameron is also somebody that can do that as well. Have you? Do you know anything about Catherine Bigelow? No. Tough lady. Tough lady. Tough I, I know the name. I tough tell lady. You I mean, that. Bigelow is a tough name, but it was like legit tough lady. They were an item. Gotcha. Linda Hamilton in him. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did date Linda, Linda he Hamilton. He has a thing. <laughs> he likes his he likes his ladies tough. I feel like Linda Hamilton and Jada Pinkett Smith are like the same kind of like. Oh, that, that's, that's a buddy cop movie that needed to happen. That's a lot of that's a lot of fire in a small frame. <laughs> <laughs> She'll whack you in the mouth and be like, Mother, that hurt. You weigh 90 pounds. How'd you get your hips behind that? Funky butt loving. <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, like, still, like, um, Ripley maintains her, like, her strong character. She's very assertive in the movie. Vasquez is a, is a boss in this. I no, mean, she got a bigger dick than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, she's, world. yeah. She leads the way. She's got the biggest gun. I, that's I, She literally has the she biggest literally gun. She literally has the biggest gun. <laughs> well, like, you know, James Cameron writing Linda Hamilton and how much her character changes from T1 to T2. Like, yeah. T1, she's like, damsel in distress. T2? I ain't no damsel here. <laughs> There's no damsel in T2. No, and, and even Titanic to a lesser extent. Rose's She last, grows, yeah. The she last chunk grow. of that movie when she's, you know, getting shot at by David Warner and, you know, swinging fire axes. Yeah. That's her Ripley moment. She's, oh. And even... She even goes back, like Ripley has done twice no. at that point in film history. <laughs> I read... You have uh, to go back into hell to, to prove you're Ripley. <laughs> for some reason, we we, we uh, rewatched Titanic, and I read that Kate Winslet, when she spits at Billy Zane, when they're like getting off the ship, basically, that she had to do it so many times that she was out of spit, because she was legit spitting, that they had to use like water and silicone. And I remember reading that and then seeing that scene. I'm like, oh my god, that's mostly. I think that's mostly just water and, and silicone or something. Mm. Like, ugh, lubricant. I think maybe just. Oh, how, how dare you tarnish Billy Zane's wonderful hairpiece? Oh, wonderful <laughs> hairpiece. Oh, sorry. Anyway, less James Cameron, more about aliens. Uh, yeah. Um, get we'll the... get off his dick for a minute. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> it's real hard. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. He's, he's crushed it. Sorry. So many times, yeah. yeah. Um, so important to my childhood. Uh, I really love some of the details here in the, the loading bay. Like, this is... What I was alluding to is the power loader. Which stop is, motion? No. Wait, the... No. No, mm, sir. That's mm, not? No, sir. Interesting. No, sir. That it felt not, like it. That is not stop motion. That is a live prop. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they have a miniature. They, that's they have a thinking. puppet, but it's not stop motion. Interesting. I did not know that. Um... Yeah, they have a full-size prop that obviously a person can get into, and it's it's mobile. Yeah. You can see like the the actuators and stuff on the back of it, and it's you know one of the most iconic images in '80s sci-fi is yeah. the is the power loader, the bright yellow construction vehicle that doubles as a weapon. I would argue it's probably one of the big. I think it might be the biggest. It it's I mean you the see, backlit 
thing when she comes yeah. out at the end. If you see anybody in that, like immediately, you know, ex- without even questioning, like, I know exactly where that's from. No, and it needs to be said, uh, I was gushing earlier in this episode about James Horner and his score, the sound design. Mm. Holy shit. Er, the, the the doors opening. The well the footsteps the kunk, kunk, and then yeah. the uh, 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 of the, the yeah. whirly light on its back and then the pulse rifle sound effect that oh, like yeah. that that sound effect if that isn't in an aliens franchise like an aliens piece of media. Yeah. Like any video game or whatever, if they do not have the pulse rifle sound, fan outrage. Gotcha. Because it's so iconic. Makes sense. And there are so many sound cues and just like elements, like even the doors opening that, like, it's all so distinct and so just perfectly calibrated. That's like these these are like sense memories that are like burned into my memories. Um, oh. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think uh, another reason why people I tend to like this one a little bit more is that there's a bit more fun happening at the top. Um, we, the character there's a little bit more of uh, grab assing in this movie. There's not a lot of grab assing. Well, it's because we're all we're setting up for something. We have time. We have we're, time. We have time, and more importantly, it's to it's to the director and the audience's benefit to have us all like these people before bad things start to happen. Um, so all... even if we don't know them as individual people, like we definitely get to know them by the second half of the movie. Even if we don't know them, like we know we know their silhouette yeah it's like we know hudson's gonna flip out (laughs) we know vasquez is gonna shoot first not a good idea (laughs) Um, so i guess we're gonna we're gonna gonna gear up to get to the uh so we're on the mothership yeah the sulaco there's two 21 gun salutes sitting in the cockpit of this uh this thing they take him down because it's a lady with sunglasses and then some other dead guy spunkmeyer (laughs) his name is spunkmeyer uh yeah <laughs> yeah he did <laughs> yeah, you see the two of them like oh you're dead yeah pharaoh and Spunkmire. uh pharaoh uh i mean in the pipe 555 that's like if you're a dork like i am it's it means something to you no i don't know uh, basically it's what she announces to the the crew when they're in the pipe when, oh, okay. they're, when they're dropping to the planet Gotcha. Uh, this this movie is immensely quotable, but yeah, Spunk Myers uh, your yeah. co-pilot. <laughs> I mean, that's a name. <laughs> when can I get out of this chicken shit outfit? <laughs> Hudson, come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the 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 briefing sequence is like interspersed with the the loading of all the equipment and stuff, and that's yeah. where we get to see like Ripley demonstrate that she knows how to operate the power loader, and Hicks is impressed, so he's like. Hmm lady <laughs> I, I do like i do like her uh yeah hicks is, he was already smitten but now she's blue collar too he's like oh gosh i <laughs> uh, just like standing at a certain angle like this. Uh, my favorite quote of the whole movie is when they're actually she's actually she's explaining to them what they can expect because yeah. they're not even sure this is what's going to happen yeah this would be during the briefing sequence the briefing sequence where um i think paul rice is kind of like holding court like he's the one like given information is like we don't know what's gonna be down there but she thinks this might be down there so she's explaining mm-hmm. and vasquez gives that i just need to know one thing man where they are <laughs> and she's like are you done like this you have no idea what you're getting yourself like, into. are you done little girl yeah like <laughs> she's like i hope you're right i hope you guys are as confident as you think you are because you don't know what's coming 
if this is what's happened. And we'll yeah. know pretty quick if that's what's happened. Yeah, and she reiterates that just one of these things was able to kill everyone on my ship. And then, I don't know if they mentioned it, but they also had no weapons. So, like, well, maybe that was the problem yeah. they had last time. Um, there's one character, a very important character, that we have not oh, mentioned. Yeah. That's this fucking guy. Lieutenant Gorman. Yeah. Uh, I do not know the name of this actor, but he did a great job. He did do a good job. He did a great job because this is the most unenviable roles of the lieutenant in a war movie. The, the, <laughs> the, the green from, lieutenant in the, a war movie. The green, I was going to say the green lieutenant. Because yeah. uh, I was going to say the guy from Platoon that Matt Dillon give, like bites off the can. gives Yeah, that dude. Yeah. They've got no respect for him. Um, what's his face? Ted Danson, Saving Private Ryan. Or, or even, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore is enlisted. Oh, and, he's a sergeant. No, he's a sergeant. Sergeant Horvath. Yeah, he commands more respect than... Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. I just got the wind knocked out of me. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, this guy, it's a thankless role. <laughs> yeah, no, Lieutenant Gorman, like, in retrospect, like, as a kid, I hated him because oh, yeah. I, I was supposed to. Yeah. But when you look at it, like, as a piece of cinema, it's like, damn, like, that guy really, he did a good job. Yeah. Because he's playing a character that adds a lot to the story so what we have here is we have a green lieutenant who is in command of a bunch of seasoned soldiers and we have a pwn who is his his appendage who is also very seasoned and clearly has a lot of camaraderie with these guys like he bunks with them and he like the way he speaks with them he's he's one of the guys but then you have Gorman, who sits at a different table in the dining hall with the suit and the lady mm-hmm. <laughs> and the robot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize until you mentioned, like, there is a huge power struggle here because I don't know who's in charge. Exactly. That's by design. That. Because gotcha. Gorman, like, just like Tom Skerritt and Alien, his title tells everyone, I'm in charge. He doesn't know He's anything. He's not in charge. He, he knows by the book stuff. He, it, knows, how to, he knows how to follow a flow chart. But by, he's never actually done anything. By rank, he should be in charge. However, Burke is the head of the company who enlisted the, the military. So Burke is somewhat in, uh, in charge. But he's also consulting with Ridley, who should pretty much be in charge. And then Michael Bean kind of just jumps in there at one point. He's like, eh, Michael Bean gets promoted on the fly, basically. He should be. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a corporal. Yeah, he's a corporal, but he's also... He's a corporal the... who takes control of the unit. <laughs> I mean, whichever head he's thinking with, he's, you know, backing up Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> whichever head he's thinking. It doesn't thinking. matter. Whichever way he's turning. <laughs> Both of them. Good or bad, he's making the right decision. Yeah. He's like, oh, I mean... It Both of them. Feels <laughs> I like that. Feels good. That would be a Sounds good. good. <laughs> that would be a good thing to say to somebody. Like, if you're in a situation like that, like, which head you thinking with? Both of them. Both of them, motherfucker. Get back to work. <laughs> Damn, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Get back in the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Gorman always struck me as a really interesting character because yeah. he has the weight of the world on him, and he doesn't know how to handle it. And the the helmet cam, the shoulder cam sequence when everything goes bad. It goes real bad. It goes real bad. And he doesn't have an answer for it, which is when Ripley kind of jumps in and takes control of the situation as best she can. She's not making the right choice, maybe, but she's making a choice, whereas he just freezes up and doesn't have doesn't have any idea what to do. And during the drop sequence, um, which is pretty great. I love the drop sequence. I love when they run out to the craft. Burr up, burr up, burr up, yeah. burr up, burr up, burr up, burr up, go, go. Yeah, they're, they're in it. They're yeah. in it. Apone rallies the fuck out of them. It's great. Um, they all 
and there's like a like a traditional military drum yeah. beat happening here. I'm thinking. I keep thinking the predator. Yeah, it's it serves the same purpose. Yeah. It gets you pumped up. Um, but we run out to the the drop ship, which is. Uh, I was always I was always like disappointed by the fact that it has so many missiles on it, and you never get to see him do anything. No. <laughs> it's so many missiles. <laughs> but yeah, we're all in the shuttlecraft, and as we're doing the drop, um, there's that moment where uh, Vasquez asked. I forget who asked initially, but like, how many drops have you had, Lieutenant? And he's like, like, he says a number, but he says simulated. Simulated, yeah. yeah. And you just see everybody look at each other like, oh, pussy. information yep. that would have been useful to me yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> great. So the point is, he's never done anything. No. But he's in charge, so we have to defer to him. At least it's not Vietnam, just saying. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, all the initial combat scenes in this movie are pretty obviously like allegory for that yeah like it's an ambush <laughs> yeah it, it's a junk basically <laughs> yeah but i i mean it, what intensifies things even further is that um his command style is from the safety of of like the the apc yeah you know he's he's not even in the field with them yeah. He's he's a considerable distance away. It's easy. And he's in a computer chair. <laughs> I say it's easy to it's easy to have control over people when you're, you know, at base camp, like everybody's gotta listen. When you're out in the field, like, no, not so much. Yeah, I mean it it I'm sure like there's an internal logic where it's like, yeah, it's easier to issue commands when you don't have the pressure of being fired upon and all that, but it you know, for the purposes of telling this story, it it's a pretty big signifier of the, like how badly things are going to go to shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, drop goes off without a hitch and then we explore Hadley's hope a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it actually. <laughs> this just takes a while. Um, yeah. Do we find Newt while we're looking through? Because we, f- I think we find Newt. We when, do. When the camp, like when we get in as like half the team kind of goes ahead and the other, like a couple of them stay behind. Yeah. Uh, we we do like a, like a formation where yeah. stack up, check, clear, second team moves in, and we're just like going hall by hall kind of. Yeah. You find mute newt. Uh, looks like somebody really humped the bunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was interesting too. Is uh, I think Sigourney Weaver's watching on the on the feeds with him, mm-hmm. and um, she was like, "Where are they heading to now?" And like some area, and he's like, "Do they have live rounds in there?" And he's like, yeah, why wouldn't? Well, of course they have live rounds. He's like, if they shoot that, this, this place is going to explode. Yeah. Th- that happens when we get to the alien's nest. Yeah. So after we've encountered Newt. Yeah. Um, I think we also encounter the face huggers in stasis. Um, this is where Bishop does his dissection or whatever. Oh. Um, but, yeah, by the time we get to where the colonists are... Um, We've pulled up a schematic of the place, mm-hmm. and we have like a, it's like a motion tracker or an infrared display that shows like blips for for every living thing. Yeah, it's just like a blob of blips. Yeah, it's like, like the, well, all those colonists we're supposed to find, I think they're all there. They're right there. <laughs> it's like this is not suspicious at all. But I think Newt was saying like they're all gone. Like yeah, Newt. No- Newt do you remember like how how we first meet? Newt? Yeah, she's uh, so it's an event. Yeah, it's like a like it's misdirection. Like oh, we think it's a a thing, and then they like oh, it's a little girl, and she ends up getting bitten, and then 
I love her little nook that she has. She has yeah, she's got Ninja Turtles 2, like the subway station. She's got an <laughs> awesome little nook. Seriously, there. man. Yeah, she's got um, she's got a little thing that says like her name. Rebecca is her name, I think. And then Rebecca, she's, yeah. she's got a dumb little teddy bear or something. She's got a doll's head. Yeah, there you go. That's weird. <laughs> um, she's got a doll's head, and then um, they end up bringing her back, and they give her some hot cocoa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rip. This starts the relationship between Ripley and Nude, and like, on the whole, like, how do you feel about Ripley and Nude? Because this crosses over into the third movie. I'm just curious. Kinda. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. It oh, does. Yeah, it's it an does. important part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, how do you feel about? Because I mean, Ripley's a character we spend a lot of time with, but I don't know that we ever actually get to know her that well. Hmm. But Newt is probably like the strongest attempt we make at trying to add more dimension to her character i suppose so i guess it's a good way to do it uh i don't because you could tell how she was with the cat she's just like yeah cat's fine well she had the, she kind of hated that cat yeah. to be honest yeah Jonesy, um, i think she calls him like a butthead or something i guess it might be to tame her like she like, she was very assertive in the first movie deservedly so like she does a good job so far in the movie the way she's portrayed is she's kind of i'm like for lack of a better word kind of bitchy like she's just not really deservedly oh, she's not in a good mood another uh, james cameron uh detail smoking yeah smoking but not smoking smoking but not smoking <laughs> um yeah she she's kind of not mean but yeah she just kind of got an edge to her and i think this is a way to develop her character a little bit more and also kind of like just tame that a little bit bring it down uh give her character something like like i said these are marines that she's with i'm like I'm not. I am not the one that's gonna try to save the marine because they already know how to save themselves better than I can do. Mm. But a little girl, that's somebody who needs her. Yeah, and I think that might just be. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is like they they really try to emphasize the theme of like surrogate like motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it crosses over into the third movie where we get that the infamous autopsy scene, which yeah. apparently does not exist in its original form. Uh, the like original theatrical release of that film was infamous for being really grisly oh really apparently there's a lot that was cut out of that scene that was making people nauseous yeesh um yeah um her acting her reactions to the to that sequence are i think that's enough <laughs> i mean especially since it's an autopsy of a, a young girl yeah yeah a very young girl um but regardless of what you think about nude as a character the thematic content of having an alien queen and a a surrogate mother, human mother, mm-hmm. pitted against each other. That's pretty fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's pretty fucking great. Because I mean, by the end of the film, the alien queen is like, "You killed my kids," and she's like, "Well, you're not gonna kill my kid." Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's it's thematically it's not rich, but it's it's present and obvious. Yeah, which you know, for people in the cheap seats or whatever, sometimes you need that. Well, yeah. I mean, like the Terminator. The- the the t-800 takes over as kind of like a surrogate father it's even mentioned in the film and todd is not a good foster foster parent he is a piece of shit shut up you lousy piece piece of of shit shit. yeah (laughs) don't you tell me you're that fucking mutt that is a his fucking in that is i told you you're that fucking mutt like there's a that's a juicy there was a juicy fuck uh yeah he puckered those lips yeah <laughs> yeah he just his, whipped and he also has one of the best deaths in movie history it's fucking fantastic oh well, yeah that sound effect yeah yeah it's fantastic 
But yeah, maybe that's just the James Cameron theme. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I don't know. It. But it, it's present, and I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I get it. But I don't like Newt. Uh, mostly because of the girl's performance. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't really do any. She does nothing in the movie, like the character itself. Like she just represents something for Sigourney Weaver. Her character doesn't really do much. Yeah, I mean, she exists as a as a thing to be protected yeah. and, and nurtured. Um, I will give her this. Um, as bad as I think her performance is, it is memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because of when I saw this movie. Like again, audio really plays a part into my memory of this movie like there's so many quotables and her, because her delivery is so weird she might be british i'm not sure she's Ripley. Ripley. yeah yeah and and like affirmative <laughs> oh <laughs> like things like that are, are very memorable to me it all, um, even it, if it's not good it also adds weight to paul riser's character and how big of a piece of shit he is. Yeah, he's a pretty big piece of shit. Like, he's he's willing like, to kill a kid. Like, he's looking at them like, I do not care what happens yeah, to he's you. He's doing the arsonist thing. He's got to be there for it. To, yeah, to a, he's doing it to a child and a woman. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to get fixed. That, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. that. That scene in particular is pretty fucking good. It is really good. He's um, great. <laughs> he's such a great dick. <laughs> no. Uh, no, Newt's from uh, Panama City, Florida. Oh, shit. Yeah. So she just has a weird affectation. He might have, like, you got to get rid of that draw. She might have had a little bit of Could be. Could be. It may have been distracting. Because, I mean, what's his face? I don't know who discovered Brad Renfro in a trailer. Literally, that's where they found him. Uh, I forgot who discovered him, though. Wow. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Whoever did the, I'm sorry, whoever did the client? Oh. Joel Schumacher. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Huh, I wonder what he was doing in that trailer. Yeah, right. No, he was looking for somebody that would fit the, like, like I need some kid from the country who's poor to play this part, basically, and that's what he found. Is some kid living with his grandma. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we get, we take our journey into hell. Yes. And this is, this sequence alone is, I mean, there's, this whole second half of this movie is amazing, but this sequence in particular is, like, one of the most important to my childhood um this it, is where the this is where the alien turns into a different movie completely well this is where all that bravado gets smashed to pieces mm-hmm. this is where that warning that ripley issued to our cast of characters and to the audience finally gets finally gets lived up to this is his chestburster because as we mentioned before well, it's literally a chestburster it, it's literally a chestburster but this is this is taking this is like not making the chest burster into a giant person <laughs> not making it bigger it's just it's his way of making it bigger well i think it's a really skillful bit of filmmaking where we have that really intense scene where the chest bursting happens and then we stay there yeah we don't leave whereas in alien when the chest bursting happens the alien leaves the room and then we cut yeah. and and we go about our business well it was also a sterile atmosphere yeah and that was it's a little it's it's little more alarming because this is supposed to be clean this has never happened we're going into this expecting to find something yeah awful. and something awful just happened and it and then oh wait more more things are happening <sighs> yeah it's like it's just getting worse and it, it's that's what makes the scene is that we're we're in it and we are fucking in it yeah so like but it, the same idea of like i didn't notice that like when we were talking about the alien swinging with the chains you don't notice it and then it comes out. Same here. You're like, oh shit, that just happened, and you didn't realize what's around you. Uh, I'm like replaying the whole. Yeah. The You're whole. You're gonna watch it tonight, aren't you? I probably am. <laughs> I'm replaying that whole sequence because I know it by heart. But yeah. like, 
the reason why I call it the journey into hell is because, like I said, this this is all allegory for Vietnam. So mm. we have a bunch of guys with state-of-the-art equipment fighting an unknown thing in a really hostile foreign environment. Yeah. So, like, just from a visual standpoint, the, the brilliance of this is that, sure, we've been exploring a derelict colony. You know, it's all smashed to shit. Someone really humped the bunk, um, yeah. acid for blood. So we see like there's holes in the walls, and I think Hicks even remarks that's like something happened here. Like there was a big fight here. Yeah, it happened long enough ago that there's no evidence anymore. But obviously something bad happened here. But then we get to like the reactor room, where we know all the colonists or something. Some organisms are all clustered together. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like a goddamn town meeting or yeah. town hall or whatever <laughs> or um and this post orgy to to make matters worse this is when ripley holds up her finger and says no ammunition yeah um by the way uh that's a fucking fusion reactor or whatever <laughs> if you rupture that we all dead this is this was one of my favorite scenes is yeah. the ammunition yeah um and to to deal with this uh gorman orders a pwn to collect magazines from everyone put them into a fucking sack that's not going to bite you in the ass later <laughs> but yeah uh we're, we're going through this facility and the visual storytelling that happens here the environment transforms mm-hmm. it goes from being a man-made metal and iron facility to the predator ship <laughs> to i don't even know what yeah it's just indescribable it looks like the innards of a giant animal like it looks like spine spinal yeah. columns lining the ceiling there's there's i mean it's done through matte paintings and really clever set designs or extraterrestrial colon something along but those. basically like take take what you know of what the alien looks like and just paste it all over the walls it looks like you're in the body of a giant black organism yeah but it's also it, i get what you call i know what you mean but it's also not that because you don't know what you're going into. It would be obvious if you were walking past xenomorphs just stacked on top of each other, but that's not what we're seeing. Yeah, it's, th- yeah. I'm sorry. There's a lovely tilt shot that I think was done half with like a matte painting where we get to see the ceiling mm-hmm. instead of up until this point it's been like industrial equipment like yeah. piping and stuff and vents and now it's just like like I said giant spinal columns just as far as the eye can see and I think Frost even remarks it's like it's it's really muggy in here. It's like really humid jungle. Jungle. <laughs> but yeah, we go through here and uh, we start to, we find a survivor. And it's a lady. Quote. Uh, quote. Quote. <laughs> quote. Survivor. We have somebody who's not dead yet. Yeah, and she is cocooned against a wall. So we took that concept that was on the cutting room floor of the first film with Tom Skerritt being cocooned mm-hmm. for whatever the fuck reason. And now we have a lady who's like strung up against the wall just covered in fucking goo and she's pale as shit she looks like a zombie in fact everybody assumed she was dead in fact most of the people in the room are dead yeah and then we lift her head and we get the (gasps) yeah eyes open we get an orchestra sting oh it's a sting yeah (laughs) 10 year old trevor's going oh fuck (laughs) it it, you feel it you still even when you rewatch it you feel it you know it's coming is this the first instance of a kill me I think so. I, I think so. But I think Scarrett in that in that edited that I scene, think you're right. I, I think you're right in the director's cut. I think he does say that. I really wish they would have kept that, but it's fine that they did. Yeah. Um, what we're talking about is what's become a serious tradition where somebody with a chest burster in them before it comes out tells whoever they meet, "Kill me." Yeah. Um, well, this it, has been in pretty much all the movies. It's got to not feel good. <laughs> well, again, 
Hispanic man with acid-burned face somehow didn't know. Somehow did not know that he had one in him. Yeah, that's another thing. Is it, like People who were up against the thing are like, dude, kill me. Like yeah. I have no idea what's happening to me. This is awful. But as it goes on, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just going to take a shit, I think. And yeah. then... <laughs> Even that little kid at the beginning of APP Requiem, he yeah. seemed kind of uncomfortable. Well, <laughs> like he had, he, yeah, he... Something in there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, she gets chest bursted. It's real tasty, and <laughs> it's, real tasty. it's real tasty, and the animatronics are much better, um, yeah. especially because the thing never ejects from her chest. It just like it just yeah. comes out, and it's kind of like lodged in there, and they flamethrower her. Fuck yeah! Um, but the, the editing here is is masterful. Holy shit! Like this is why I was terrified of this when I was a kid. Is because the the music is is that like. I don't know what kind of stringed instrument they're using here, but it's this combination of like synthesizer and like violin. It just sounds eerie and awful. And we keep cutting back to Ripley's reaction to what's happening. And she's just like bawling. Yeah. Like she's freaking the fuck out. And Gorman's just like, I don't even know what I'm seeing. But the point is Ripley's reaction to it. And then cutting like, back to what's happening in front of the Marines, it's like, it's happening again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's almost. Like, it's not happening because she's watching it through screens. Yeah, That's there's the, a barrier there. Yeah. And that feeling of help, helplessness is amplified even further because, like, her friend, her, her yeah. co-worker, this happened to her right in front she's of her. She's got a crush on Michael Bean. He doesn't have a mustache right now. He's looking good. <laughs> <laughs> he's not creepy like he's in the abyss. <laughs> but, yeah, they flamethrower the lady, and then uh, there's that moment of stillness Yeah, right before everything goes bad. Doesn't, um, it's Adam Baldwin in Predator 2 that's doing it. <laughs> Uh, where he's just like, they're all dead. But uh, what does he? St- I, I, I was misremembering. I'm like, what is what does the lieutenant say here? Does he even say anything, or is he just like, oonk? If if I remember right, not a whole lot is said here. Yeah, I don't think um, so. This is where communication starts to break down. Um, but the the real catalyst for when things really sh- hit the fan is a. Uh, so again, the music kind of plays in, and we get this awesome shot of just something, just a shape. Mm-hmm. Up, up towards the ceiling, and it just like rotates yeah. and curls over, and it's like, oh, oh that's fuck. a that's a thing. Yeah. Like that that isn't a piece of the environment. That's a thing. Yeah, and, and then there's that great shot where there's an alien hiding in plain sight, like completely in plain sight. In HD, it's not as good because you can see it. <laughs> and you know, I've seen the movie a thousand times. You know so, it's there. So I'm looking right at it. But uh, one of the lady marines, I forget her name. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. But she's she's not gonna make it. She's somewhat more clever than everyone else because she's like, they have infrared sensors on their helmets that they only use occasionally, but she has hers down. She's like, Hudson, motion tracker. Oh. Motion tracker. That's going to come up later. Motion tracker is one of the most important plot devices in this movie. It's it builds come, tension yeah. like nobody's business. So Hudson is carrying a device that's directional. So it only it's like a 180 degree spectrum and it detects movement. Beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep, That's beep. what it is. That's... Movement! <laughs> that, they also use that in Predator 2. Who directed that fucking thing? They definitely saw this movie. Oh, it was the guy who did, uh, I think, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Oh, that Brit- tells you something. Yeah, British fella. Um, good artist, but not a very good director. <laughs> Stephen Hopkins. There you go. Um, but yeah, the motion tracker is what kicks things off. We get the beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep. And we're using that all through the facility up to this point, too. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of false false images and whatnot 
and it tips the audience off that like something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. And then Hudson calls out, movement! <laughs> and then the lady Marine, she's looking around the room and she's just like, I'm looking everywhere, but is it possible these, she actually like verbalizes it. It's like, they're not coming up on infrared at all. Yeah. And then the wall moves and like, Bam. just like grabs her from behind and uh, <laughs> holy shit, yanks her up into the ceiling like Batman. <laughs> It's so good, so good. What's the chief's name? Oh, Apone. Apone. Does Apone. he does he die here? That's what's interesting. Um, because it's only said through dialogue. But yeah, he he, most of the, most of the marines buy it here. Um, yeah. One of them gets set on fire, I think, by her when she's being pulled up in the ceiling. She shoots out a jet of flamethrower. It's a fucking shit show. Also, yeah, yeah. sets one of her comrades Vietnam. on fire. Uh, the bag of ammo catches fire, explodes, kills a guy with it. They're also shooting. They're like, what the fuck are you guys shooting? Yeah, Drake slips Vezquez. Oh, I love that. They just, like, they take him back, and I love the look. He just, like, <laughs> without even looking, yeah. just hands it right back. Yeah, it's, it's a like some that. sort of device that's, like, a connector for her smart gun. Yeah. With, that's what it's called. <laughs> it's a modified MG42 yeah. German machine gun. The, the pulse rifles are Thompson's. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the fucking World War Two Thompsons. <laughs> Interesting, but with you know a kit put over them. I wonder if that was on purpose. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that made them heavy as shit. Though. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, but yeah, uh, things are going to shit. Uh, and then <laughs> Vesquez lets out, "Oh, let's rock!" Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have her on my team. She's oh, she's so just badass. Stay behind her. Yeah, you'll, just, you'll be. <laughs> you just. <laughs> she literally. <laughs> Hold my dick. All right. Yeah, <laughs> just just get behind Vasquez. You'll be fine. Putting the team on my back. Right? <laughs> you will be just. You will be fine. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Hicks, by the way, has a shotgun. Yes, comes in handy a little Classic. later. Classic. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, I keep retro. This on, keep this on hand for close encounters. He also doesn't have sleeves. He just doesn't. Because he's on. too cool for sleeves. <laughs> it's gotta be cold up there. I don't know why they don't have sleeves on. I mean, what's his name? Uh... Uh, Jesse Ventura. I think Jesse Ventura has long sleeves on when they're in Predator, and they're in the jungle. One of them has long sleeves on at one point. I believe he does. I think he does at one point. Yeah, and then he gets shot, and then I, he think, gets shot. I think it comes up. But yeah, but yeah you're, you're you're not wrong on that. Somebody's got to wear long sleeves. <laughs> but yeah, everything goes to shit here, and uh, again, the editing, the the music is really eerie. It's extremely chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many cuts and so many weird viewpoints because we keep cutting back to the APC and like Gorman trying to direct traffic, Ripley freaking the fuck out, and then the Marines like shooting the aliens and from the commotion we get the sense that aliens are being shot, but we get very little confirmation that they're being killed. Yeah. <laughs> um but from all the voice chatter and the chaos it's like, uh fuck all. I don't know what's going on, but a pawn uh, gets snatched from the ceiling. And I remember it very distinctly because uh, Gorman kind of is responsible. <laughs> um, Gorman is like stumbling over his words and he has like a very complex uh, course of action he wants the, the group to take. And he keeps repeating himself. And Apon can't hear him because there's a lot of gunfire going on, but it's like it's overly complex. It's too wordy. It should just be get the fuck out or, yeah. or go b- fall back to this point or something. It, but it's like. Want you like fall back by fire teams and and Apon keeps like being like I can't understand you but yeah. I'm trying because you're my commanding officer, um, and during this conversation, alien jumps down on top of him, and he lets out a comical scream. I didn't, I didn't catch a scream. <laughs> it, it starts out as like a, Ugh, and then it turns into a ah, 
<laughs> like a scared scream. Like, yeah. But starts out as like, ooh. And then, ah! <laughs> That's funny. But much, much, much later in the movie. Well, not much, much later, but like 15 minutes later in the movie. Um, Hudson points out when they're all, when everybody's safe after all this business, that uh, Apone's vital signs and some of the other Marines are still active because mm-hmm. they have equipment on them that gets transmitted back to the APC. Um, and so knowing what we know about the aliens, we know that they aren't outright killing people. Mm-hmm. They're harvesting them. Yes. So Apone does die in the movie. I mean, the fucking site gets exploded. Yeah. Like a nuclear explosion. <laughs> so obviously he dies, but not in that moment. Um, but yeah, uh, I could, I could just talk about this scene all the fucking day, but the, like, the conclusion of it, obviously, is Ripley uh, tears Gorman's balls off and puts them in his mouth <laughs> and starts driving the APC. So she's going after Burke. She's basically going to give him a... a she's going to chew him out. Um, does he know what's happening? I think that he, he's aware of what's happening. Uh, at this point in the movie, he's actually like still on her side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, he, his heel turn comes after we've, we haven't found the uh, face hugger yet yeah um, this is where I'm a little great because this is where Bill Pax is like game over man game fucking over <laughs> if I remember it that's after the the craft after the oh, after the drop shit yes crashes. yes but yeah um, man I, I don't want to go through the whole movie front to back, so just like I yeah. want you to I'm, start directing me because, like I said, I can to, just can talk. Stop. I can just talk this whole fucking movie. Well, but. we have to get. So I'm trying to think chronologically what happens. Like after the gunfight, we have to regroup, and that's kind of where we're at. Ripley forces that by crashing through the wall. Yeah, <laughs> with She's, the APC, she saves the day. She gets them all back, and they get back to the back to the wherever the main. Is it to the main ship, the mothership? You've blown the transaxle. You're just grinding metal. Uh, He's down. So are they... They're still, He's down. Are they still in the facility? They Do they get stuck in the facility? Basically, the first course of action is uh, Ripley knocks down the wall with the APC. Um, the survivors file into the into the vehicle. Uh, Drake buys it here. He gets a tasty death. Uh, this movie isn't very violent, to be honest, but uh, Drake... Drake gets it bad. I don't remember what happens to him. Drake gets it bad not only from like a, oh my god, that's awful standpoint, but also from a dramatic standpoint. How does he get it? It's great. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> surprised, I'm, sur- it? I'm surprised you don't remember. How does he get it? Uh, so we're all filing into the APC. Uh, Hicks calls out, Drake, we are leaving! Yeah. <laughs> um, and Drake is like running out of ammo. He's taking off all his armor and stuff put a pin in that for the next two seconds mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. and uh vasquez they're like she has a fucking mounted machine gun yeah you know the you know the mounted machine guns they had in private ryan the, yeah. at the beach yeah. that's what she's carrying yeah <laughs> jeanette goldstein is carrying one of those five foot two jeanette in goldstein. her hands yeah. so she needs a little help getting into the apc and it just so happens that drake is kind of like covering her as she's being loaded in and she sees an alien like come like rearing up out of the environment like they do from the walls and the, they come out of nowhere because yeah, they, they look like the environment they're yeah. camouflaged and it whips around very dramatic turn <laughs> and she shoots it and it explodes and it's acid blood goes all over drake i don't remember that and he no yeah yeah, yeah. he's done yeah yeah <laughs> 
don't remember that. And he uh, he collapses in a heap in a very dramatic death because we get a, a nice shot of his face just gone, and then he falls over with his flamethrower and he like kind of burns the APC as they're taken off. Oh. And they just they like they, he's done. It's like no, he's done. <laughs> in fact, Hicks tells Vasquez, "Forget him, he's gone." I don't remember him at and all. We get. Like I said, I could just talk this whole movie front to back because <laughs> there's that great moment. It's, I mean, if ever there was a trailer moment, I don't think it was in the trailer, but they're closing the the shutter door, the the van door, <laughs> the sliding van door. Yeah, and then Alien puts his fingers in the door and keeps them from shutting it, and it's just got his face sticking through the little hole there. And then Hicks puts his shotgun in his mouth, blows the back of its head out, and again though. And I, I love how, how desperate this fight is because, like, even when they're winning, they're losing. Mm-hmm. Because we just saw Vasquez shoot an alien to save her friend and end up killing her friend. Mm-hmm. And now we have an alien that's trying to get inside the APC. Hicks blows its fucking head off, but Hudson gets burned yeah. on his arm. And it's like, God damn, <laughs> can't just can't fucking win. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just Vasquez, Hudson, Hicks. Gorman is concussed. And falls unconscious when Ripley's driving. Burke and Ripley. And Newt. <laughs> and Bishop. But Bishop's not even present. He's back at the facility. And, yeah, we escape. And the plan is immediately to call the dropship and just get the fuck out. And this is where the discussion of nuking the site from orbit is the only, the only way to be sure. Yeah. And, and Hicks assumes command because Apone is being held captive. And Gorman is incapacitated. And Burke is the one who's against it because he's like, this is not. There's a substantial dollar value attached yeah. to this facility. <laughs> and this is, belongs to the company. Yeah. And you can't do that. You don't have the right to do that. This is, again, the power struggle. And Michael Bean's like, oh, we're nuking it, bro. Yeah. yeah. He and he and Ripley have like a power couple moment. Both heads, yeah. Um, Beyonce and Jay Z. <laughs> that's, that's a couple you do not want to cross. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, where, where does the face hugger come in? Um, uh, some stuff happens. Uh, we'll just gloss over it. Uh, we're in the facility. Uh, Bishop spends about half of this movie just studying yeah. uh, face hugger corpses because he's into that. And again, yeah. this reinforces Ripley being like, mm, I don't trust you. I don't trust him. A um, couple notes about the director's cut. Um, during the drop, Hudson has an additional scene where uh, he's just talking about how awesome it is to be a Marine. And he's just talking up some of the toys they have, uh, like some of the weapons. They yeah, have. I do remember this. It's not in the theatrical version. I think it's better that way. Yeah, <laughs> we don't, we don't <laughs> yeah, it, it's it. extraneous. But it, I do remember. It's just padding. Um, and then, if I remember right, the director's cut has uh, a more explicit tease of the alien queen. Um, because, like I said, at some point, Ripley does have that line, uh, so who's lay- laying these eggs? But then again, Hudson has an additional bit of dialogue where he uh, he talks about termites, and he's like, "Yeah, you're, you know, a queen, like a big fucker." Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's it's just him riffing, just yeah. having a good time. Again, I think it's better without it. Um, yeah. But like, probably the most significant addition the director's cut has is uh, the sentry guns. Yes, um, that's completely excised from the the theatrical version. Uh, the only inclusion it has in the theatrical cut of the film is a shuttered door closing where you can see that they have a sentry gun uh, posted up, but it's never used. Yeah. Whereas the director's cut has like a couple of minutes of footage of 
basically just uh, watching the same alien suit explode over and over. It's stock footage mostly of like an alien on a, on a closed set exploding and then sentry guns shooting into the distance and then watching an ammo counter go down. So it's not terribly dramatic. Mm. Um, what it does demonstrate, though, is like how dire the situation is, where it's like we have X number of bullets for these automated sentry guns that are keeping us alive. We need to make them count. And we almost exhaust our ammunition in like one skirmish. <laughs> it's like, okay, we don't have much time. <laughs> So yeah, um, obviously the uh, the dropship cra- the dropship crash is really good special effects. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first order of business. I think this thing dropship is from the beginning of T two. I feel like is one of those comes up in there. It, it has a similar silhouette actually. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is like the X wings it has. Um, the other ones has like has like a jet in- two jet engines. It looks almost like a concept of like an osprey but with like jet engines instead of propellers i think i figured out why i never listened to the soundtrack or never noticed it is because i saw terminator 2 when i was very young and i know that soundtrack in my bones i know i if you play me like a five second clip of any part of that movie i can tell you exactly what it is yeah me too i think it it might be the most noticeable score for me yeah it it, i think a lot of it has to do with instrumentation because it's actually really really minimalist it, but there's it just there's so many different it switches so much like the, well T one thousand just the, oh. that's what I said that whole beginning oh. part just, oh. yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like during the actual action sequences and the slower parts there's there's specific score oh man that uh I like when it when it gets more uppity during the uh, the dirt bike chase mm-hmm. it's like bam yeah at one point it's like but you have the but you have the you have the semi you have the dirt bike and the motorcycle all like all the different noises on that god damn it i think i'm gonna end up watching terminator 2 when i get back it's a good pick i think that's what i'm gonna have to go with it's a very good pick it's like one of those very rare anytime movies where it's like it's not seasonal it's, it's not, not seasonal. Yeah, Terminator 2 is not seasonal. It has no season. It's year-round. It's genetically engineered. It's year-round, yeah. <laughs> it's not none of that organic tomatoes. It's a genetically engineered tomato. Yeah, your team lost the Super Bowl? Call on Terminator 2. Make you I feel mean, better. Honestly, yeah. make you feel better. <laughs> make you feel better. Um, but yeah, the dropship crash is like, it's, I think it was done with a rear projection. So it's obviously a miniature. Yeah. But it's like, careening towards the actors who were in the foreground yeah and i think it was just yeah, right. they it did the playback protection. and they had to like match the timing so all the actors had to scramble probably a thousand times to get the playback just right i see that's that's what i, I like i like the dropship crash probably one of like might be my favorite shot just this sequence right here after they've gotten out of the, the gunfight this whole sequence that whole sequence i really enjoy well again the the pacing the sequencing so we just came out of hell yeah like we barely survived like you're still not out of it (laughs) yeah like three quarters of us are down gone and everyone who was in a leadership position is gone that's the most important thing and it's like hudson and hicks yeah (laughs) it's like hudson and hicks are now in command hudson's worthless because he's freaking the fuck out also he's badly burned (laughs) so we get the they get the face hugger um they somehow get the face hugger and it was yeah it was contained in stasis like it was just in the facility mm-hmm. and they're stuck at the facility right now 
Yeah, after the chop ship goes down, which by the way, Pharaoh gets her face caved in with yep. a with an alien tongue. Oh, mm-hmm. That image of her hand wiping against the the windshield. <coughs> yeah, the blood. Yeah, it's it's a good subtle gory death where it's like you don't actually see her head get caved in, but just seeing the you aftermath, know. and then. That directly preceding the the, the dropship kind of like wiggling. It's like, oh, she drunk. Oh, she dead. <laughs> like, oh no, oh no. But uh, yeah, after the thing crashes, we salvage the parts and we're back in the facility. And then facehuggers. Yeah, so we get uh, somehow. I think Paul Reiser sends or Burke ends up sending sending out like a memo. Like, listen, like we've got this awesome thing and we're gonna bring it back, but. I think that's what happens. But there's there's a power struggle here where um, he wants to not blow up the place. And Sigourney Weaver's also like uh, going to report him because he was going to contain a very, very dangerous specimen to the, ex- to the expanse of the rest of the crew. If I remember right, she becomes aware that he was aware that the colonists were going to that planet yeah. and knew the potential risk. Yeah. Which is why she's just like, fuck you, Burke. Yeah. And, and then they have a verbal exchange and he he gives her a Paul Reiser look that's like I'm going to get you but I'm going to do it in the squirreliest weaseliest way possible I mean it's really smart because she's like you're done like I'm she's gonna... also carrying a gun at this point I think <laughs> she's like I'm going to nail you to the wall you little shit right to the wall and he's just like alright fine go to sleep uh, <laughs> watch what happens watch what happens so yeah they end up uh, they're in a, they're sleeping in like a, a quarantine area yeah they're trying to keep safe from the face hugger or anything out there well, and she she goes to bed with Newt. Yeah, um, she's she and Newt are kind of hitting it off. Um, he she and Hicks have a have a cute bonding moment where yeah. he teaches her how to shoot. Yeah, um, I like I like when he's like, "Oh, that's the grenade launcher. You don't need to know about that." And she's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like he's like, "You started this. You showed me the whole thing." This this is a charming moment that you see sometimes in movies where the guy's teaching the girl something, and it's kind of like come from behind show her how to do it a girl i work with apparently she went on a date with us uh a customer one time when she was very very young she said it was awful i'm like well how awful she said well he taught me he asked me to go play pool with him and, and i'm like i don't want to play pool unless you're if you're really good i don't want to do that because i'm really bad and he was really really good so good that he was just like clearing the table yeah. and he's like let me show you how to do it so he's doing like the straddle oh god yeah, she's, like, she's like i never did that again got him sometimes i'm glad i'm dude <laughs> like, i don't have to put up with when you, dudes when you hear some of the stuff you're like oh God. Yeah, yeah why do you leave the house ladies Just honestly stay like, home. how how are you not all nervous wrecks uh, they some a of them lot are. of them are <laughs> not a lot of them some of them yeah um but yeah uh, it's a it's a it's a pouncing lesson and uh, <laughs> it's important to the plot it's because she makes plot. use of that tool later in the movie and we need to have it justified it's that's my business card holder. Yeah. Um, it didn't break. Again, from a from a writing standpoint, it's important that it's there mm. because there's always going to be some nerd in the audience who's like, like Star Wars, like how come she knows how to use the lightsaber? Yeah. It's like, well, she you know grew up in a rough environment and has a staff that may as well be a sword. It's true, she hasn't used a gun. She didn't use a gun in the first movie. She hasn't used a gun yet in this movie, so it makes sense that somebody has to show her to use a gun. Exactly. She's also blue collar, so yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, they go to sleep, and I think she wakes up to the, like the the thing from the Adams family, like kind of deal. Snapping at her. Yeah. Um, the it's face terrible when you stutter. <laughs> Morticia, home, <laughs> send help. 
<laughs> we love the Adams Family movies. Oh, uh, so good. They're so good. Uh, but anyway, uh, the facehuggers just kind of like like piddling around, which is weird because when they come out of the the egg, when they come out of the the egg, it just goes straight to the heat source. Yeah, and they don't they don't creep around. This one's creeping around, and maybe it's because it's been out of the. It's been out of there for a while. It doesn't know what it's doing. It might have a certain amount of time that it has to jet, like, I mean, lay its you eggs. can't help but think of, like, insects or something, like a fly, where yeah. it's, like, it has very limited shelf life, like a mosquito or something, where it's, like, it's got to do its business and just die. And when we've seen the face huggers on screen shoot out of the eggs, in some movies, somebody's standing close. Other movies, they're standing right over the egg. Yeah, Billy Crudup <laughs> was making out with the egg before it got him. <laughs> idiot idiot <laughs> um but yeah this whole this whole encounter i remember i always remember it being pretty intense because that um sometimes this movie's made fun of by people for silly reasons because um a huge portion of it is writ is lit entirely in red yeah, um, yeah. because you know, i think it's effective i think it's extremely effective and it covers bad special effects too i love paul right Re- i love uh paul reiser's acting here is that Scony Weaver's he like comes up to the door and like the door is locked for some reason. She's like Burke, let me out, and he just he doesn't even acknowledge her. Almost he's yeah. kind of just like looking into the room. He's just making sure that what he needs to get done gets done. I don't even know if he makes eye contact with her. Like he probably not. He doesn't even look at her. He's just like looking around. Yeah. And then he just kind of weasels his way yeah. away. And she's like going to an extreme of like banging chairs against the glass and stuff, but it's, you know damage resistant quarantine class. it's quarantine <laughs> um newt's screaming the whole time Ugh. if i remember right like do the sprinklers go off too like it it's gets, possible it, like this is a messy scene yeah. <laughs> um and i, I mean well after we've just kind of gotten over like the really rough part of the movie like we've been pretty chill for the most part and it just went from zero to 100 in no time so at this point we're both kind of like recovering a little bit yeah uh, we've had a minute here and there to like take stock of the situation like ration our supplies um i think this is where the statistic of 17 days Mm. gets thrown out there where hicks is questioned on how long is it going to be before anyone knows we're missing yeah and yeah he pauses for a second it's a long pause (laughs) 17 days (laughs) yeah it's it's that kind of response it's like oh seven or eight i mean hudson's response is 17 days we're not going to last 17 hours and he's probably right yeah he's yeah he's like in the first movie, like we have different people like trying to handle the situation. Lieutenant's a, like he's not handling it well. He's just like I don't even think he's awake yet. I no no. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxton, of course, is your uh, Yafet Koto. He's just like aggressively scared. Yeah, but, no, he he is a soldier. And what's what I love about Hudson as a character, and I do love Hudson. Mm-hmm. Like Hudson's amazing. <laughs> what I love about him is that he is good. Yeah. Like he's very competent. In fact, whenever we're doing technical stuff, he's the guy that's been opening all the doors. Like mm-hmm. he's been hot wiring all the doors. Um, when we're getting like map schematics of the facility and and planning how to secure our location, he's the guy that Hicks is telling what to do, and mm-hmm. he's doing it. He's the guy that knows how good his job is, and he doesn't have to. Well, he's the guy that he only knows how to. He only knows how to express himself that way. Yeah, like. It, Every time he has an insecurity, everybody's got to know about it. Yeah. But as soon as somebody slaps him, and like as soon as Apone says, "Shut up!" What did I do? Yeah. Let's come here. As soon as somebody yells at him and tells him to come here, what? yeah, he gets in line and he does his job, and he's very competent. Yeah. And I like I like that because that's kind of rare to have a character that serves both functions. 
where it's like yeah he is obnoxious but by the time he buys it at the towards the very end of this movie um you miss him you're like oh fuck hudson really and you haven't seen the original texas chainsaw massacre there oh there is a character death in there that is just you cannot you're waiting for him to die because he's so obnoxious (laughs) i mean slasher movies in particular infamous for those this one's but he's this guy's in a wheelchair that's how much you hate him (laughs) oh wow and you still hate him (laughs) wow usually that gets you some sympathy points nope Nope. not even a little bit nice you're like fuck yes kill him equal opportunity murder seriously seriously (laughs) that's important there it is important they're people too yes they are people too (laughs) i mean sometimes they're obnoxious and they need to be (laughs) sometimes chainsawed to death i'm joking bad legs or not assholes are assholes That's his. That's his voice. That's what Leatherface. Yeah, says. that is what he sounds like. Um, I know that much. So yeah, um, how do they get out of the? I don't remember how they get out of the containment. Uh, Does somebody let her out? I think somebody De- lets her Deus out. Deus ex marine. Uh, <laughs> um, Hicks and Hudson come by. Come by. Um, they shoot. At, I remember this distinctly. They shoot the glass and then. Hicks takes a fucking running shoulder. Du- <laughs> he, he shoulder checks the fucking window. He's trying to lose. He's probably. Do you think it's like Treat Williams? Like he's gonna lose his virginity finally? Like he's really. He can't wait. He he's can't. just like I'm, I'm going throwing myself through glass, <laughs> <laughs> lady. <laughs> you better be watching. <laughs> She's not this though. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Newt has like one of the face huggers pinned to a wall with like a cart or a like, chair maybe yeah it's tail is caught between something so gotcha. it's like reaching for her and it can't get her and the animatronics or the puppetry here are very convincing yeah very good um hudson saves her uh and then hicks and hudson and i think vasquez everybody saves ripley because she's got the tail around the neck and everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's making some noises that people aren't supposed to make nah. <laughs> like nah. dying noises yeah and we get to see the the yeah, the the, the the tongue thing come out of the face hugger. It's like, oh god, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they throw it in the corner of the room and then they shoot it. Yeah. So both face huggers down, and we know who's responsible. So uh, we going after Burke. But in the meantime, uh, do you remember? I forget how many times we cut back to Bishop. Like, so the the mission here, uh, the way we're the way we're gonna get out of this situation is uh, we send bishop on a mission through like a tunnel like a shawshank tunnel <laughs> like um that's only as wide as his shoulders mm-hmm. and he has to like wiggle miles of tube out out beyond the facility that so he can funny. so he can get onto like a satellite rig so he can mm-hmm. remote control a drop ship from the sulaco in orbit I back about that yeah. which is pretty fucking creative yeah. like from from a writing standpoint it's like, wow that's really cool <laughs> give him something to do but um there's a little moment here that i really loved where uh, when we're putting him in the tube um uh, i think it's hudson hands him a pistol and he grabs it and just like hands it back to him yeah like he gives it a once over like what no <laughs> like don't need that yeah he's like i don't need that <laughs> um but yeah Bish- this is where bishop's like essential to the safety of everyone and of course ripley's like this is our only option i still don't trust it but this is all we got, so, all we got. but we keep cutting back to lance henderson it's just this, this camera like mashed up in front of his face and he's lit in blue and you know he's got his wrinkly face so, like under like lit from below in blue light with Ken doll hair mm. and like wiggling down a tube and oh, panting yeah. <laughs> it's like it's really disturbing at least he's not claustrophobic 
Actually, that, that's a question I asked myself when I was a kid. I was like, oh, man, I don't think I could do that. That would be tough. I don't think I could just do don't that. Think, I just, just don't think about it. Just go. Yeah, I mean, shit. <laughs> like you can't stop. That's the thing. Like, Just don't stop. Just keep moving. It hurts. Don't care. Keep moving. Not stopping. I, I guess, but I mean, that would be really rough. It would be rough. Especially if like you kept, I mean, shutting off that part of your brain telling you like how far it is. Like, mm-hmm. like is there an that. end? Am I going to get to the end? Is this where I die? <laughs> uh, when I, um, I think I told you, like when I run from Montlake up the hill to the top of uh, Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. like it's a long, it's almost a mile <laughs> uphill and it's like at a 45 degree angle. Like, it's When's a, it going to stop? Like, I don't even look up. I literally, like, I remember just running, like, just keep looking down. Don't even think about, oh, fuck, don't look up. <laughs> it's so far. Just keep swimming. Just, just keep, keep swimming. And the, it sucks is I put myself down at the bottom of the hill. I'm like, I have to run up the hill because my apartment's all the way at the top of the hill. I mean, it's going to suck no matter what. May yeah. as well do it quick. Don't look and don't stop. That's the other thing. Don't stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so much harder. Do not stop. So much <laughs> do not yeah. stop. So it feels good. Like, oh, no, it doesn't. We got to keep going. It <laughs> no, only feels good right now. It's going to be a lot worse this second. So much worse. <laughs> oh, um, but, yeah, uh, I believe this sets us up for the, well, the first of many climaxes yeah there are like three climaxes in a row to be honest because yeah. the uh the raid on uh on our facility here like our, our group of heroes when when their security gets breached one of the coolest scenes in the whole movie i don't know what you're talking about this is when the aliens come in oh okay yeah i'm like raid I'm like, who the fuck else is here it's well, the, the aliens. fuck i mean I, I don't want to just talk through the whole movie. I'm trying not to, but it's so it's so easy for me to just do that because yeah. <clears throat> because I remember like individual shots like in sequence so perfectly. And so are we setting up are we setting up the guns here at this point? We skip past that. Okay, it's that happens when when we're doing the whole bishop thing, okay. like when we're getting set up. But this is when the sentry guns are bypassed and the motion tracker is going nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think we're actually on our way to go yell at Burke. Yeah, we that's know basically it. what we have to go do. Um, but the lights shut off, and now everything gets bathed in red, and the motion tracker's going off, and there's a lot of chatter back and forth, like, I think they cut the power. And Hudson's obvious reaction is, what do you mean they cut the power? <laughs> like, it wasn't they cut the power. Well, I mean, it's, it's up for debate if it was the aliens or if it was Burke, but... I'm going with Burke. I mean, the, the intelligence level of the aliens is... it's up for grabs kind of they can be as smart or as dumb as you need them to be because in like alien resurrection they make them very smart i was gonna say here i think they're still dumbed down well here they're i I brought this up in the previous episode the notion of a hive alien as opposed to a singular alien Mm -hmm. and when you use the word drone typically you think dumb yeah Uh, you know creatures that are focused on a singular task like seek gather um so maybe not big in terms of like problem solving intelligence so no. not like bottlenose dolphin smart more just like cougar smart or something gotcha um but yeah the, everything's everything's red for like the next 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> yeah but holy shit that that first fucking shot when we see the aliens come into the into the facility so the motion tracker's going nuts yeah and we don't see anything in the room and we're like backing up and like loading our guns and stuff because like the blips are actually really fucking close. And it's like, I, where? It's like, oh, just let's start moving back. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hudson uh, Hicks uh, gets up on a, a desk 
and he pushes up like one of the ceiling tiles and we get this shot of him like looking up <laughs> and then he turns his head just a little bit it's not fast that's what makes it beautiful it's a it's just a shot of the like the upper ceiling so above the ceiling tiles and his light like pans across the whole view and we see just an entire wall mm-hmm. of aliens slowly crawling upside down towards him and his reaction is to go what the fuck? like he screams Terrifying. he falls down and he's shooting as he's falling because it's a wall of aliens is there a, is there a shot where they're going a little faster when they're in the vents because i feel like there was i remember seeing oh, like a red it's so well that's that's the mastery of the editing of this movie is that whenever things get actiony um they only actually are showing you half of what half of what you think is there mm. like your brain is actually making the action way better like if you actually look at strictly what's in the film like they're cutting away from most of the stuff you'd expect to be the good stuff but yeah. they're they're allowing the editing to take over and when he falls backwards and he, he starts shooting the ceiling tiles start punching out and the aliens start like dropping into the room mm-hmm. it's just like one or two at a time well it's a lot of them but that's again masterful editing because i think they only had a couple of alien suits and somehow they sell you on the illusion of there being a shit ton of them all you need to do is have one fall movement movement another fall like you just need to have it seem like they're about to drop but i i defy you to like find an example where it feels janky or like like there aren't that many of them in the room i don't believe i'll be able to find that no it it's pretty incredible stuff because really the the number of alien costumes they had like hero costumes that look fantastic from head to toe was not many Gotcha. Um, but it and just the the body language of these things is so fucking awesome because <laughs> like I don't know if you've ever seen behind the scenes footage of the first alien. Nah, not very much of it. No. Okay. Um, there are actually a couple of shots in there on the cutting room floor that I think I would have liked to have seen in the finished product because Balaji Badajo, uh, I don't think he was an actor, but he's a honest to god seven footer. Yeah. Um, he's wearing the alien suit and he's doing like really stiff like mechanical movements like there's no urgency in the in the motions of the first alien like it's i think the concept of the way it moved was quote alien yeah like it's meant to be unnerving um there's some like behind the scenes like eight millimeter type footage of just ridley scott just doing test footage and it's like i think the same corridor where he where yafet koto gets killed Mm -hmm. and this guy in this costume is like kind of like perched up and it's like a circular corridor he's like perched up and his stature like you can see his head like practically scraping the ceiling Mm. and if you put another person in frame next to that like from head to toe it would be like oh god yeah like that's a monster but as far as i recall you never really get an honest to god like you never really get a sense of just how big that fucking thing is you kind of get it with harry dean stanton just a little bit because it kind of rises well, yeah, up yeah and but, he's looking up at it yeah but it's still like when he looks up it goes close up yeah you never really see them in the same frame no um and i i really would have liked to have seen that maybe just limitations at the time it wasn't a way to make it look good like there's like we can't. i mean just seeing it navigate space though like seeing like seeing this thing like have to like bow its head to fit through a doorway mm-hmm. like that's like Oh, like shit. like at a distance imagine that that's like nightmare fuel yeah for the, like imagine my doorway like turn around and imagine and something to... something large enough that it has to bend over you don't have a way and out. it's shaped like a man i'm gonna 
<laughs> toss this coat and try to get that window. <laughs> Bet you I can get through. But yeah, the the body language of the aliens in this in aliens is a uh, is more energetic. Like they do a lot of cool stuff where they have like their their hands clasped clasped together, mm-hmm. like like a like a raptor. Yeah, like 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 a predatory animal of some sort or a bird. <laughs> yeah, like a bird, and like they even do a thing where they flare their hips out and like kind of pinch their limbs together when they're in midair. Mm-hmm. It's it it looks right. Yeah. Like it looks really right. And they do a lot of pouncing and a lot of leaping and holy shit some of the wire work that they do. There's one shot in particular after the sequence when they're in the elevator where the thing like bounces off two walls and then like grabs onto an elevator door. I'll go into oh, detail yeah, yeah, about yeah. it later but it's just it's a blink. Like it's a just a couple of frames it's like whoa (laughs) that's not how people move no and that's a big part of selling the illusion of these things not being men in rubber suits um but yeah the sequence is action-packed it's just every everybody shooting yeah everybody shooting is this where vasquez and blonde guy end up or yeah gorman's awake by now um this is where hudson buys it and he goes out in grand fashion I don't know how many obscenities he yelled. <laughs> it's very memorable. Um, Hudson's last stand, last stand, I like to call it, because we're like steadily falling back. Um, our progress is slowed because Burke is shutting doors behind him, like because he's ahead of the group and he's fleeing, and we have to use a torch to burn through the lock of each door that he closes. Mm-hmm. So it's like we gotta fucking hustle because there's aliens on our ass. But Hudson's like holding the line by himself <laughs> he's cussing at all these aliens but uh, one comes up to the floor and like yanks him and do you remember the last shot of him in the film huh. oh man Kyle it's been a while since I've seen it god damn man <laughs> it's like I mean I'm basically you don't need to watch it I can just yell at the view yeah. but um, basically he's in the middle of shooting he's kind of protecting nude actually because they they have a thing going like he she inherits his affirmative yeah <laughs> but yeah an alien yanks him down into the floor and uh he's like doing everything he can to fight this thing and his last moment in the film is uh, the aliens have like spock hands by the yeah. way uh, they have i think more than five fingers but like a couple of their fingers are like attached to each other yeah and it's just an alien hand like half over his face like pulling him into the into the floor and as a child you're watching this you're like no he's my favorite yeah (laughs) and uh hicks actually has his other hand and hudson gets forcefully yanked away from him and into the floor and then then that shot happens where uh hicks does his his back dive as an alien is jumping over him and the muzzle flash is like blasting over its rib cage and just the way the light catches and the way we cut away in that in like the perfect moment it's just this perfect fucking shot mm. you should just put the fucking movie on I was gonna say, kyle i tried to tell you like, burn should, this into your memory like, you <laughs> should just have it playing in the background while we're talking yeah because we talked the length of the movie so i'm like we'll get to where we're going <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's oh that's the part yeah <laughs> but yeah uh the the elevator shot i mentioned with the the wire like it's obviously a, a stunt man on a wire bouncing off the walls but um this is where Hicks gets incapacitated. Um, before that, though, is when Gorman and uh, Vasquez buy it. They're in the they're in the tunnel and they blow themselves up. Yeah, what'd you think of that? I, it was a good way to go. I, I it's fine with that. Um, well, I, I mean, I think it's fitting because she was the one who was 
maybe the most critical of him. Mm -hmm. Like she was the one that called him out about the drop thing. Yeah. Like from minute one, and her last words, you know, you were always an asshole, Gorman. <laughs> it's. I mean, they're they're they've picked a profession where they're comfortable with dying. Like you just have to be comfortable with dying because it's a very serious possibility with the job, and wow. they've made a career out of it. So I don't think dying is a big deal for them. And this is the moment they're like, you know what? Fuck these things. Like, we get to actually do something good on our way out. Let's try to take out a few. Well, she has it doubly bad because um, her legs get covered in acid right before that. Yeah. So it's like, you want it quick or slow. Bad. Yeah. And Put it to the chest, dude. You're not, <laughs> not going to survive. Yeah. Uh, she, she gets in close quarters with an alien. I don't know how many times this lady's going to do this before she learns, but <laughs> she, she shoots an alien at close quarters and it spurts blood all over her legs. And Gorman comes up and they set off a grenade together. Um, we lose Newt. She falls down in the sewer. Um, yeah. Is that the shot you were yes, talking about? Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, it's, it's the one that I remember the most. When I remember rewatching this, I'm like, I thought this was Alien 3 for some reason. I think I watched them back to back with my grandpa. I definitely remember watching Alien 3 with my grandpa. But I misremember that being a part of the third one. But yeah, she's just kind of in the water. And it doesn't make sense for the alien to do this. The alien would just grab her. But it actually, she's just standing in the water. She's just kind of scared. She doesn't know what to do. The rest of the team's moving forward. Like, it's already moved forward. They had to. They had to keep going. Yeah. And the xenomorph just kind of comes up out of the water. And you see it. This is where you see it to scale. But still, it seems like it's not that big, even for a little girl. Yeah. Um. But I, mean, I remember this being fucking terrifying because yeah, what like when I was a kid, kids dying in movies was like heavy because it's like oh fuck, like I didn't think I was supposed. I'm not supposed to die. They're supposed to die. <laughs> the older people are supposed to die, not me. So she doesn't die here, obviously. Yeah. But um, th- I thought she did because then I was misremembering her on the slab. In ah, okay. That's yeah, I can see how that happened. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a beautiful shot. Um, only knock on it is something that comes from watching the movie too many times and in hd it's like the way the alien comes out of the water its tail is obviously suspended on a wire uh, and there's like a little bend in it where it would not be natural like against uh, it's against yeah. physics like it's like mm. well <laughs> just I, had to get that glamorous tail up <laughs> again the, this was made before we were going to have video renting this was going to be played in the theater or even this with alien like this is going to be played in the theater Maybe in like 10 years, we're going to bring it back to the theater, bring it back again. The home video thing wasn't the, wasn't well, the plan. And again, the, that's where the mastery of the editing comes in, where it's like, actually, a, a lot of those images you thought you saw were just filled in you know, by your brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this begins the, the whole end game of the movie. Where, uh, end game number two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is end game number two or three. Oh yeah, Burke got... He gets fucked. He gets his. Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't he open up the door and the fucking thing's there. Yeah, his death doesn't... I mean, it, I guess it makes sense. Because, I mean, if one came through the floor to get Hudson, it stands to reason that there's many ways they can get in. But yeah. basically, he goes into a back room and he thinks he's... He's safe. Yeah, he thinks he's safe and he ditched everyone. But as it so happens, there's an alien in there with him and it eats his face. Yeah. Um, straight up eats his face. Like, I guess... I guess it just didn't like him or something, or maybe it smelled him and maybe like he, he had like a, a venereal disease or something that would kill the, that would kill the chest burster. And it's like, nope, you did. Maybe just pieces of shit have a smell. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you smell like shit, human. <laughs> I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> Shooter McGavin leave you in the bowl this morning. Oh man, Chris McDonald in the Aliens movie. I, I was thinking. I would love that. I was thinking. Um, oh, 
James Cameron had already successfully worked with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at this point. He's too big of a star to be in this movie. Like, just to go with this cast, I would say. He would steal too much from Sigourney Weaver. Like, you can't have... I'd say that she's the main character, and she's assertive enough. We don't need a a big beefcake there doing stuff as well. And honestly, if you're going to have him replace one of the team... Paxton, I think that'd yeah. be kind of a fun role for yeah, him yeah. to kind of be scared. Like he, he's never scared, but uh, that'd be kind of a fun role. But I was thinking, like, why wasn't Arnold in here? I'm like, it's just too much. Like, it's not his. It's not his type of action well, movie. I mean, Apone was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see Chris McDonald doing something like that, and that's part of the reason Apone was so perfect is because he's he's the security blanket. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that's like, oh, if anything bad happens, I'll just listen to Sarge. He's one of the first to get it. <laughs> Michael Ironside would have been a good, uh, good Burke. I think. I think he could have been a little, a little weaselly too. Even for like a big guy, I feel like he's too slimy, dude. He's too slimy, too slimy. Yeah, he's he's too scary. Like the yeah. aliens would just be like, ugh. <laughs> 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 like I ain't fucking with them. <laughs> uh, I think Michael Shannon is the new Michael Ironside. I think. With more, with more leading or, or more prominent. See, that's roles. another candidate for brothers. That would be brothers too. Oof. It'd be Michael Ironside and Michael or Shannon. Or dad, dad, and dad and son. Oh, yeah, Papa that's Ironside. Scary. That's scary. Yeah, dad. <laughs> son, I'm gonna come use, to the party. <laughs> I'm gonna use your hammer later. Uh, you will not be re- not be reimbursed for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in the fucking river when I'm done with it. Ah, oh, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> I like me some Michael Shannon. Apparently, Michael More. Ironside's really tough because you got to be really Canadian and really angry. But he has such a like he his swagger would fit in this in this kind of movie where he he can be really serious, but he can also kind of be a dick. Like the like I'm gonna do. Come on, you apes! You yeah. want to live forever? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> talking about? <laughs> what are you apes talking about? Space Canada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no joke. That's what it would have to be. Let me go, Fair. Oh yeah, he'd be great. He's yeah. I think he would have been a good a good Burke. I I, I would have liked. That. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he would he would fill in just fine. Swarmy is that the word I want to use? Smarmy. Smarmy. There we go. Smarmy. Smarmy. Yeah. Smarmy. It's an M. Yeah. <laughs> it's swarmy. Swarly. <laughs> swarly. Swarly. Now from, we're just making up words. Swar- Swarly's from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh um, okay. <laughs> Must yeah. have missed that one. Anyway, so uh, this is where I, I get a little hazy. Is we definitely have to go back and find Newt. Yeah, uh, James Cameron tradition. Got to go back. Got to go back, bro. Yeah. Um, so are they headed? Like, who's left at this point? Uh, Hicks is injured um, when when the aforementioned uh, wire gag at the elevator happens. I they kill the alien. Mm. Uh, however, its acid gets on his chest. Thankfully, he's wearing an armored vest, but he gets burned. Yeah, he gets burned real bad, and he's down for the count basically for the rest of the movie. Um, and then Ripley had a uh, motion tracker mm-hmm. that actually Hicks gave to her, and then she gave to Newt. Uh, so she's freaking out because she knows that Newt is still is, alive. Is she we'll is ins- she's insistent that Newt is still alive? Yeah. And because she enough. because she knows about the tracker, she knows that she can find her, given the opportunity. So she and Hicks, re- like, reconnoiter with uh, Bishop, and we have a dropship now. Yeah. Um, and it's just them, and we get this really, 
really awesome composite shot. It, it's it's like a green screen, I think, or a blue screen, but it's it's the model of the dropship flying through like an industrial zone. Mm. That's just like it looks like from a Super Nintendo game, just yeah. like explo- fire and explosions and like metal piping. Yeah, and it, they're like flying back in, and she's like, "Bishop, we are going the fuck back." Yeah, and he's like, "It's gonna blow," <laughs> but you're giving me an order so i have to do it yeah um so we get a load up montage she she does this really badass thing where she takes a flamethrower and a pulse rifle and tapes them together mm-hmm. so she's carrying both which was way a ton oh by the way this is the best sigourney weaver haircut through the franchise it's the best one it's a helmet it, it's, <laughs> it's, the, pr- it's protection the f- first movie i didn't like it, it was too long this one i'm like eh, it's okay she had like a little richard thing going on the first one it was it it wasn't very good the third one she has a shaved head still still attractive with the shaved head i'll say and then the fourth one i don't know what's on her head in the fourth one uh it's a wet greasy it looks stinky it does not look it i mean to to quote uh george costanza like if you put your hand in it can you get it out (laughs) (laughs) that is is an important question what is it with bad haircuts in this franchise because we get to uh, tom scarrett has the worst i think it's bad. <laughs> uh, Pin and Tom Scarrett. Prometheus. Numi Rapace. Awful haircut. Yeah. Uh, what's her face uh, from Alien Covenant? Oh, we. I don't remember her name. Uh, bad. Captain that's, Watterson. Captain yeah, Watterson. That, that is maybe the worst haircut. I'm going to go with Sigourney Weaver's haircut in Alien Resurrection is the worst of the haircuts of the main female. Haircut is Watterson. Hairdo. 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 The way her hair is did. Okay, so there is a there's a moment in Alien, I should have mentioned it at the beginning, and I think I took a screenshot and sent it to you. Tom Skerritt's watch at one point. The oh. double the double faced. Uh, he's wearing a watch that has two faces. So it's like one face, a little bit of space, and then another face. Mm. I've never seen a watch like it. I posted it on Reddit and asked if anybody had seen the watch before. Nobody's seen them. Before. I don't know where to get it. I want to find this watch if it's possible. It's probably made by the prop department. And it's probably an attempt to make it future. It is supposed to be future, but I'm like, it's awesome. I want this watch so bad. Um, it's like, if I miss the first one, I can't possibly miss the second one. Um, but anyway, we get, uh, now we have to go back and get Newt. Yeah. For crying and out loud. We get a long sequence where she goes back into the facility it's and she long. shoots a lot of fire at nothing. <laughs> it's like. That's the honest-to-God truth. Ten but. minutes of this movie is her shooting fire at nothing. Yeah, um, she shoots a lot of fire at a lot of nothing. She's dropping a lot of flares, though, which is a nice, nice, nice visual storytelling bit where she's literally laying breadcrumbs for her way back. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's a small detail, but I appreciate it. And uh, she goes all the way back into the hive, and she's following the motion tracker. And if I remember right, she has, like, a breakdown moment where she finds the tracker but not Newt, and she starts freaking out. Yeah. But then she finds Newt. <laughs> so it's okay. And she gets there just in time, too, because the facehugger's coming at Newt. She kills it. And then I think she has Newt on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then the queen. The, the, the introduction of the maybe the coolest thing in the whole franchise, if you ask me. But some people... Some people disagree. Some um, people think the queen has no business being in the Alien franchise. It, I think it's fucking It amazing. works here... Um, the problem is, is that the movies that it's in later are bad, therefore it doesn't work. Like, we didn't need it. But, uh, there is an iconic, I think an iconic shot of Sigourney Weaver with the flamethrower, like, going, like, just walking through. And somebody took a quote from the New York Times, I guess a writer, um, or somebody said that 
Wonder Woman is the finally the first like strong female lead we have in an action. <clears throat> We're like, um, um, those of us sci-fi nerds, I'm like, uh, she's been here for a while, dude. And you know, Mila Jovovich had a career. Yeah, I would say Mila. Kate Beckinsale had a career. Kate Beckinsale. I'm like, yeah, guys, we. Yeah. I mean, I will. I can see where they'd be like, well, actually, Mila Jovovich uh, gets pretty scantily clad in those movies and Kate Beckinsale's in a pretty yeah, pretty tight... scantily clad in those movies directed by her husband yeah I, <laughs> I think yeah I think win some lose some I think we're gonna have to counter that I'm like you know what it's her husband she agreed to it yeah Yeah. and they know how to make money by the way those movies <laughs> they made money those Resident Evil movies clean you're the like, fuck up why are there seven of them look at the box office um, simple as that simple yeah enough. I love I, anytime I think about this movie now I think about that shot and I'm like <laughs> I mean it, it is like one of the I think it was used as many of the posters um, I'm pretty sure it's on the soundtrack that I bought at one point or on the back of it like with the, yeah. the flamethrower uh, usually she's carrying new I think she has new yeah, yeah. Um, and that's it there's no aliens on the screen or anything it's just her it's great image it's an iconic image maybe there should be like there's no uh, strong female leads in mainstream action movies I'm like that's fair, but because those are niche, these are niche yeah, audiences. They, yeah, that's kind of fair. Yeah, I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah. Anyway, the now, queen. The queen. Uh, the introduction of the queen is money. Yeah. Um, the the mm-hmm. the whatever structure, biological structure that's that's suspending her and her her built-in backlighting. I'm misremembering <laughs> a little bit. Does she have a chain on? No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's AVP. That's See, AVP, I'm dude. Misre- I'm misremembering. Jesus I'm, fuck. Yeah. I'm no. Like, no. Because they have her chained up and they bite her out of it, don't they? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm misremembering. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. So she's like suspended against the ceiling, and she has her giant egg sac ass. Yeah. It's it's a queen ant or a queen termite ass. Um. <laughs> I can't remember the whole name of the character, but Earthworm Jim, the last boss of the game, is Queen Slug for a Butt. Slug for a Butt? I'm wondering where they got that. I mean, it's it's intentional, but her name is actually like a humuhu nukunuka apua, where the name is like longer than the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just Slug for a Butt, it's like... <laughs> Did you just drop a fish? This, that's the state... Is that the state fish of Hawaii? I don't know if it's the state fish, <laughs> but... Who, what is it? Humuhumu nukunuka apua. It is. That is the it state is? fish okay. of Hawaii, yeah. Yeah, the joke is that the name is longer than the fish. <laughs> Um, that's funny. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that outside of forgetting Sarah Marshall, because that's how I know that that's the state, the state fish. Ah, uh, it's like they call me Q-New. It's like does that have some deep Hawaiian meaning? Chris means <laughs> Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. So, uh, but yeah, she she uh, she got her egg sac ass, and we get to see again the way the way you introduce monsters and in stages. Mm-hmm. So we get to see. Like, it's armored head, like, bowed. And it needs to be said, the thing's head is the size of a Buick. Yeah, it's <laughs> huge. And we get to see, like, a, a long pan shot just showing the sheer size of this, this egg sac ass. Then it has, like, an ovipositor coming out the ass, and it, like, poops out an egg, and it's all juicy and nasty. And then we see Ripley, like, looking around just like, fuck me. Yeah. And then, uh... This is, I think I would probably, I'm like... Like that kid's dead. Like I just got to turn around. Like I'm, we're gone. I'm yeah. Gone. No, it's like one of those moments where it's like, well, what I love here is this again the the stillness, mm-hmm. the the confidence in the editing, where it's mm-hmm. like we don't need to be in a hurry. We don't need to have anybody make any snappy moves here. She's just like drink it in. 
Well, it's it's like when she was isolated with the alien in the first movie, where she's like, if I don't make any sudden movements, it's it does maybe it doesn't notice me. I don't know, but whatever I'm doing right now, I'm not. It's not killing me just yet. So yeah. it's like I have a gun, I have a flamethrower. Obviously, you know, this thing is aware of my presence, but it's not doing anything yet. Yeah. So don't shoot. <laughs> and we get this long moment of stillness, and then the the breathing kicks in. Again, audio memories. Uh, the 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 breathing sound that the alien queen makes so perfect. I can't remember. It's like a, it's like almost like a sinister like hiss, or it's like. Damn it! I want to watch this one. I don't know which one's less than two hour, two and a half hours. I don't know. I'd have to pull it off the yeah. shelf. But yeah, it's just doing this. And then we see it like has this like, almost like a turtle shell thing where it, it can like, kind of stick its head out. And pull it and retract it a little bit, and we we see the whole head and it rears its head up and it's like, whoa, that is that is a real prop that's in the room. Holy shit, that's huge. Good job, Stan Winston. (laughs) And then the cool part is that she has bodyguards. Like the the queen has like a couple of aliens and Ripley's waving a flame around, and there's this really cool bit of visual storytelling where like one of the the bodyguards like takes a step and the queen like snaps at him a little bit like, hey. Yeah. Cut the shit. <laughs> like, that's fire. Yeah, that's fire. Fire. That, <laughs> that's fire. Those are my kids who have yet to be born. Yeah. You're already born. You're already a letdown. You are expendable. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you've already served your purpose. Yeah. You're worthless. But, yeah, uh, long story short. Looks like you missed one, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You had one job. One job. One fucking job. But uh, I love the little head tilt that Ripley gives here. Um, before she sets fire to the whole throne room like she just like looks around she's like sees that when uh when she like flares the flame out a little bit the queen flips out Mm -hmm. and she's like you don't like that Mm. well i don't like you (laughs) so she just kind of like gives it like oh it's very catty does the the queen start screaming yeah she's she's super pissed Yeah, yeah arms flailing the whole bit and uh ripley shoots a lot of aliens here yeah and uh I love that the first alien that she shoots, though, she actually kind of fumbles the gun. Like, she like has the safety yeah. on or something, and she's like, duh, duh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets it. And then it's just a killing spree. She sets fire to the whole place. Alien queen comes off of its egg sac thing um, and sets off in hot pursuit. We get the elevator escape sequence. And, uh, yeah, it's a big, long chase here. Uh, Ripley gets back on the platform where bishop left her but he's not there (laughs) she's like in fact she even took the time to like tell hicks whatever the fuck happens do not let that piece of shit leave without me (laughs) and hicks like "Eh, we're not going anywhere it's like hicks you're half conscience yeah and of course bishop shows up and the best piece of music in the whole movie happens here that's i think it's called bishop's countdown um, there is a piece of trailer music that was really prevalent in the 90s called like Code Red or something. Yeah. And I'm going to try my best to emulate it here. It goes. You've heard it. You existed in the 90s. You've heard it. I've heard it. It's basically an imitation of the piece of music that happens in this movie. Amazing piece of music. Bishop saves Ripley. They ditch the queen. They head off in orbit. <laughs> Nuclear explosion from orbit. They get back to the Sulaco. Uh, Hicks is put in stasis. And 
everything seems chill. Uh, of course it does. But it's not. <laughs> uh, so we're in the loading bay, and do you remember how this whole showdown happens here? No, I don't. All I remember... Well, do you remember what happens to Bishop? <laughs> I know Bishop gets his face slapped. I know he goes, he gets beheaded, but I can't, mm, I can't remember. Substantially more than that. So I, I'm, I'm hazy. I can't remember. Oh, man. Uh, so what happens here is the we have the the drop ship in the bay of the Sulaco. we have our relaxing moment ripley finally seems to be like coming around to bishop because i mean he he bailed her out he mm-hmm. saved the day kind of and then like there's just a, a lull in the conversation and they both kind of look down and we get a shot at their feet of uh, a pool of acid like burning in the floor it's just like and then they both kind of look up at each other and Tail! Oh, yes. Tail right. just comes right through the back of Bishop and out his chest. I See, I was when you said that tail, I'm like, oh, yeah, it goes through the Predator AVP. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same same difference, except uh, Bishop gets bisected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love when the tail's, like, through his chest, because poor Lance Erickson, he's, like, holding on to... to to Ripley, he's like holding onto her shirt, and she's just like, fuck, "Get the fuck off me! Don't touch me!" Yeah. And he's barfing milk into the air Ugh. in slow motion, going, <laughs> and he gets lifted off the ground, and we see the queen like cradled up against the underside of the dropship. So it's just been hanging out there in fucking space. <laughs> like she's not happy. <laughs> uh, I was gonna let you know this uh, latest season of Archer has been taking place in space, and there's a lot of obscure Star Wars alien and and various sci-fi movie references obscure ones that only like you would really be able to like catch they're very subtle so it sounds like it would drive me nuts it's it's done really well it's, it's <laughs> funny it's very funny uh, i understood that reference i understood that re- ah stroke <laughs> krieger becomes a uh cyborg and he is the he talks about the milk i'm out i'm losing milk <laughs> it's really funny nice uh, yeah bishop gets torn in half yeah not just head off torn in half yeah and the top half is still functional because he's a robot yeah uh, he's very milky, very milky. <laughs> uh, but yeah the queen gives chase and uh ripley takes off running but i forget exactly how this happens i don't know if like she like pushes newts like one side girl <laughs> pretty much i think um, yeah. but yeah she takes off into a sprint and newt is somehow left behind and she's like she ducks into a vent and we get a couple minutes of the queen like pulling up vents and like stalking around the room and is just about to grab newt and she does her her scream because she only has one scream yeah 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 <laughs> and then uh power loader yeah uh, get that absolutely iconic shot of the bay doors opening backlit up the ass ripley found herself a power <clears throat> loader does she call her bitch at this point get away from her you bitch <laughs> it's a it's a it's a vicious bitch oh snappy just like bitch. it's like a projectile Pop. it's like ow <laughs> my eye <laughs> um, yeah uh there's some uh i feel like the, the alien queen doesn't move very quickly um she doesn't she doesn't um all credit to the special effects department. There are legitimately a couple of shots here and there where I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know there's a miniature. I know there's a puppet. I know there's a full-size animatronic. And s- there's a couple of moments here and there where I'm like, I'm not sure which one I'm looking at. Yeah. 
all I know is I'm looking at a physical prop and it makes me happy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's refreshing. Even if it's like I can kind of tell that's fake, I can tell that's fake. But I'm like, you know what? At least I know that it's fake, and I can. If I was in the same room, I could touch it. Mm. Unlike pretty much anything else that's out now. Well, what's really cool here is just the the choreography. Obviously, Ripley fights the alien queen in the power loader, but. What's really neat about the way the scene is choreographed is not that it's like thrilling or anything. It's in slow motion. Yeah. It's like they're underwater. But the yeah. <laughs> agi- but again, all credit to the prop departments. The uh, the agility of the queen far surpasses the power loader, mm-hmm. where it's like it looks like an animal stalking a machine. Like it looks appropriate. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like you're looking at a Chuck E. Cheese robot struggling to you know pretend to strum a banjo or something. It looks like a functional creature. Yeah. And they do a really good job of, of marrying the two types of footage that they have. It's a really close quarters fight. There's some cool beats where uh, Ripley has the things like head cinched between the, the pincers. And like she's snapping her tongue at Ripley and getting like inches away from her face. So there's like a real sense of danger. It's not like she's wearing an armored suit where she's protected. Um, she's in clear. There's a clear and present danger. <laughs> yeah. um, but the whole thing ends with, again airlock yeah because at this point this is only the second movie in the franchise but we're already like paying homage to what came before which you know it's up for debate if that's a good thing or not some people think it's an easy out like yeah some people think it's like a crutch to to lean on tradition and like what came before too heavily in this case it feels appropriate i think it's a crutch in alien covenant here it's appropriate yeah i agree and yeah we we tumble down into this pit and uh, Ripley gets beat up here. <laughs> but the, the power loader is on top of the alien queen. And there's this one shot where she's climbing a ladder out of the pit. And the power loader is on top of the queen. And the way the queen is moving underneath it looks real. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like an actual animal. It looks like when you have a fish like in a bucket or something. Like mm-hmm. it's like flipping and flopping around. It doesn't look happy. <laughs> but yeah, she, we get the dramatic beat where her arms should be torn from their sockets. Because she like opens the airlock and is like holding herself on the ladder Mm-mm. 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 you did <laughs> your arm is coming out even if you do hold on long enough if your grip keep if your grip is stronger than your arm socket then yeah well not only that the queen actually grabs her foot oh no 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 no. yeah you, your leg is coming off and then your arm's coming off. <laughs> you're going with her and she literally like kicks her shoe off and the queen flies out into space and we get the worst special effect in the whole movie where it's the uh, it, that actually might be stop motion of the alien queen flying into the camera going that might be. it's terrible <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's, it's one fine. shot out of god knows how many i'll allow it it's totally fine but yeah everybody's safe uh bishop gets to say his cool line he's like not bad for a human <laughs> but he says it through milk barf <laughs> yeah. oh by the way uh when the when the airlock is open i did notice that like he he grabs newt like she's flying towards the door and he's like nope (laughs) even when he's cut in half he's still trying to do good he's trying to yeah yeah 
trying and he ends up in an unfortunate state in alien three but you know <laughs> poor bishop he can't next, get a break <laughs> next conversation and a reanimation that is much better i would say that one of the things that the third one does better than the first one it might be the only thing the third one does better than the first one is the reanimating of the uh oh the yeah 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 the, the animatronic work on on bishop in the third one's actually really good it's really really good i remember that scene really well because that was actually the first thing i ever saw about that movie like, the... I think I saw that scene in particular way before I saw the rest of the movie. I'm 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 anxious to talk about that one. Cause yeah, I... me too. Because that one was the first one that I was aware of when it came out. That's the first. Yeah, I was just say I think I was a kid when that one. I like I was aware of that. Yeah, one no, I I remember like the marketing, and I remember like Evening Magazine covering it. Yeah. I was like, wow, like I want to see that. Yeah, and I remember and they I had like an alien exhibit at the seattle center oh man oh my brother and i went to a sci-fi exhibit uh when he was in town a few years ago oh yeah i got pictures from it yeah the, the xenomorph uh nice. stuff yeah cool it was really cool i would love that yeah. um but yeah i mean obviously by the way i've been just like endlessly prattling on about this movie it means quite a bit to me but, yeah but yeah the the ending of the movie is everybody going into stasis yeah. and uh you get the sense that that easily could have been the clo- that closing the book on on the alien story. Yeah, that could have. Yeah, I mean Ripley, Ripley found a family. You can assume like her attachment to Newt seemed substantial to the point that maybe adoption was a possibility, especially considering how much time had passed. Like whoever she knew when she was, well before the incident or whatever, probably long gone. Well, the the problem is with. Um with this movie with this creature and same with the predator hellraiser freddy krueger uh it's such cool makeup effects and creature design that you can't not keep making those movies because people want to keep seeing them well that's what's interesting though is that the alien itself it's not like there's a singular alien that's driving the franchise like freddy krueger is the nightmare on elm street franchise you cannot make one of those movies without him same with jason Voorhees, unless you're counting the first one um, or the the worm third one. one, the third one, because he's not even Jason in the first two. Uh, he's he's in the second one. He's not in the fifth one. No, I'm saying the the des- I'm talking about just the design. Oh, the hockey mask. Just yeah. The, yeah, yeah. He's baghead in the yeah, second he's one. Just the bag. But the point I'm trying to make is that in the case of Alien, it's it's not like a singular iconic creature. It's a design. That's what I'm saying. But I think maybe the mistake may have been latching onto Ripley as like mm-hmm. as the thing anchoring the whole franchise yeah because because i mean early in this episode i I rattled off a bunch of like comic books and an aliens versus predator video game none of which have anything to do with rip well the comics had had stuff to do with ripley except those were the bad ones (laughs) we'll we'll talk about the problems of the third one but they should have closed it out with the third one well i mean the the point is like and and i think marvel and disney and stuff are getting wise to this now is that technically you don't need to have like a singular branding for for like alien franchise like you don't have to have a ripley character although in covenant they had waterston suddenly turn into a ripley at the end out of nowhere yeah you don't need to have that it's just that uh, whoever is fronting the bill or writing the scripts is insisting on retaining those elements it's like no you really could just have the alien in a movie 
that has nothing to do with any of the other movies. But I feel like it's hard for, at least the Alien movies, it's hard to get away from creating such a strong female lead, especially with the climate now. Like, like oh, this yeah. is perfect. We have to keep making this movie. We have that, to keep that's doing a this. good way to draw positive attention towards yeah. your studio. Yeah, and even though they're placating a bit, I think at this point, yeah, they, they did it so organically with the first two movies. And the third one was... Third one's just a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. But these first two movies, they do such a good job with the character. And Numi Rapace does, I mean, like the movie or not, like, there's two pretty strong female leads in that movie. Shirley yeah. Theron and Numi Rapace. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it, it's it's one of those things that's like, it's not a bad thing that's there, but you shouldn't you, could, you, sh- you shouldn't be strictly adhering to that out of obligation. Mm-hmm. You should be focused on telling a good story. I mean, we ditched the beefcakes for Predator. I mean, we definitely have cycled off as the movies have progressed. I mean, not Danny Glover was still, you know, he's still a pretty big guy, but he's no all the Decca and D-Ball that was in that first movie. I'll tell you that much. Like the whole cast. Yeah. Jesus. Protein farts and roid rage. That's I feel bad for Shane Black on Oof. that set. He was big. What are you talking about? Shane Black was ripped. Compared to those other guys? Shane Black just has a bit smaller head. If you look at the... Like, he, he's <laughs> Compared sick, to Carl Weathers? He was doing arm day with Arnold, dude. I'm telling you right now. Like, he was okay, working well, out Whoever played guys. Poncho then? Um, Even Billy was big. Yeah, that nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Pon- Poncho was the skinny one. Yeah. Billy was the scariest one on the set. Yeah, he wasn't even the you biggest. You don't fuck with Billy. No. No, he wasn't big. He was just mean and yeah. scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, just as it, as it progresses. But anyway. But yeah, I mean, I'm a big advocate for the surprise Batman movie, is what I like to call it. Mm. Like, the, the concept of, like, having a Batman movie that isn't revealed to be a Batman movie you until, can... like, two-thirds of the way through or something. Well, like, a, yeah, I know what you mean. Or, like, the example that I always throw out there is Man Bat. Like, Man-Bat was the character in the pilot for the Batman animated series. Mm, yeah. It's a werewolf, but a bat. I saw that one. Uh, yeah, I of course you did. I recently it, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, imagine a, a Man-Bat movie where Batman shows up very sparingly. Mm. Like, maybe even towards the conclusion of it. Yeah. yeah. It, it would never happen now. No, it would never happen because never Batman's happen. too powerful an icon. You, but, you as, as a marketer for a film... You, you would be remiss to, to keep Batman out of the marketing materials for a movie. Well, King You're, Kong's not do- public domain, is it? Like, the, like the character? Is it owned no, by... No, Legendary owns him. Legendary, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because Deep Rising tried to... Uh, I think they tried to get a King Kong movie or... A, a, the the end of that movie certainly seemed like a Skull Island movie. Skull Island or dinosaurs, but there are dinosaurs in the original King yeah. Kong, so it could have gone either way. I'm like, that's a cool way to introduce King Kong. Like, What? This is a part of a King Kong movie? King Kong King Kong versus a giant octopus thing? Alright. I mean, it, now that I think about it, he's already done that like three or four times. Yeah, they say... Him I, and... Kong does not like octopus. Or maybe he does like octopus and he likes the way they taste. I say he kills him in that Skull Island, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he kills it in Skull Island. He kills it in King Kong versus Godzilla. I think he kills it in one of the other Japanese godzilla slash king kong movies he kills a lot of skill he kills a lot of octopuses dude. a lot of octopi Oct- octopi sure <laughs> but yeah we're totally off track oh right. yeah point being uh obviously i think this movie's amazing mm. we could talk about it all fucking day long at just alien movies in general but i don't know kyle do you feel like you you learned anything today or do you feel like you got any notes in mind for next time around i feel like i need to go back and rewatch this one because it has been a while i've seen it several times but it's just been a while since i've seen it and like we like we said like the first two i kind of get mixed up occasionally i'm like wait which one and apparently that? avp and avp <laughs> well, another thing about like i feel like it 
there's a queen. Uh, Bishop's death is exactly how the alien kills it. Like, and I've seen that movie quite a bit as well. So it all kind of gets jumbled. Um, Missing out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna go back and rewatch this one. I think uh, I'm gonna look for some more stuff. I'm gonna pay attention more to the score in this one. Okay. Well, yeah, you absolutely should. You absolutely should. But I feel like Alien Three is gonna be interesting because there's simultaneously so much to say about it and so little yeah because like from a personal standpoint the movie means very little to me yeah but there's a lot going on there aesthetically i fucking love it it's a david fincher film i i just want to look i just want to watch it like i just want to see the lighting's pretty incredible yeah that uh, there was so such potential that's why it's kind of disappointing yeah uh, it's it's not strictly a bad movie it's just troubled yeah in many 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 ways in the xenomorph portion of it it's just yeah it's top to bottom like yeah. it, if i remember right the story goes they actually started making it without a script yeah you don't do that you don't do that don't do that especially when it's a first time director and it's david fincher who if you give him support obviously can make some incredible fucking movies i feel like coppola could probably do it and then Werner herzog i feel like herzog could do it that i don't know if i could put up with an hour-long wedding scene in an alien movie yeah you're right <laughs> Imagine that. The first hour of the movie is Ripley getting married. Everyone says the second Godfather movie is so good. I'm like, the first one's good. The second one, ugh, it is it is a snooze for me. Yeah, I mean, off the cuff, I'll just say, I think I I think I prefer the first one. The first one's but good. But to be honest, those movies don't mean a whole lot to me. I only, no. I only saw them for the first time fairly recently. But yeah, I think I like the first one best. It's fine. Um, that being said, uh, thank you so much as uh, we continue our masterclass on the alien franchise uh, tune in next week for alien three yes